If you're just joining us, Malcolm Merlin has just been shot. Now back to Lombo Hunters, the Arrow Podcast. everybody and welcome back to Across Areas Productions' very own Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast. The podcast dedicated to covering DC Entertainment and the CW's new hit superhero TV series, Arrow. I'm your host, Michael J. Petty, and with me is my co-host. A very angry person that he doesn't have his Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Andy, where is my Ben & Jerry's ice cream? Where's Kim? Andy, where is our ice cream? Oh my. Oh my, we was very angry, Andy, so you better get it to him quick. Yes, I'm, you don't like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> Hashtag Incredible Hulk movie, movie reference. You know, I really like that movie. I think that's a very underrated movie. I don't know why people didn't like it. I don't like that the Hulk is forced green. That was my only problem. See, I didn't what have is- an issue with that. I thought he looked better in The Incredible Hulk than he did in The Avengers, quite honestly. Oh, Hey, I'm just saying, in a real-world setting, he would more look more like the Incredible Hulk Hulk than the Avengers Hulk. Just saying. Yes. We're not going to get fit into physics of Hulk that, that, come, that will come when they do the Hulk family if they ever do that movie. Speaking of movies, before we get into anything else, what do you think about this Justice League Dark with Guillermo del Toro that was just announced earlier this week, sir? You know, they've been spreading rumors about this movie for a while, and I've actually been kind of pumped about it, because, like, the cast includes, like, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, Constantine, um, Zatara, people like Dr. Fate, Morgan Le Fay, Dead Man, even, and Phantom Stranger, and in all honesty, I see this movie happening more so than I see a Justice League movie happening, just from the standpoint of what Warner Brothers likes and what has been successful at Warner Brothers. And really, I don't think their hope, uh, and I don't mean this in a negative connotation to talk about the WB, um, I don't think they're looking at this as like a major cash cow. I think they're looking at this as like a good thing to put, put out in like, let's say, like Watchmen time. You know how they released Watchmen, but Watchmen wasn't released at like the most hype time for movies? Yeah. I think it's going to be like that and turn out to be a big hit. Now, Justice League Dark, that is mostly all of the magic-based superheroes in the DCU, right? 
Yes, you are correct. And currently in the comics, it's actually the comic right now is actually written by Jeff Lemire, who is writing the Green Arrow comic we cover here on this show every month, starting with last uh, month's issue seventeen. But it like it is mostly magic based or supernatural based um, characters. Morgan Le Fay, I believe, has been the main villain so far in the series. But, um, yeah, and the working title for the film is Dark Universe, so if you ever hear that while going across any forums or news sites, you know what we're talking about. And who do you think, who do you think is the most well-known writer? Is it Jeff Lemire for Just the Delete Dark? I think so, at this point. Only because he's the only one to write this ensemble book. Like, a book like this hasn't really existed until the New 52. And because they wanted to revamp a lot of things with the New 52, they thought it was the perfect opportunity to bring all these magic characters together. Because before, they had all been in separate books. And now they just brought them all together. So I'd assume he would be the most popular one at this point. But I'm sure there are a lot of writers who could do it. Hence, like, the people who did Underworld or uh, Hellboy, obviously. Stuff like that. And you and you and I disagree about it, who's it who's a Tana who's a Tana could be, but uh, that's another story for another time. I think Kate Beckinsale, but that's just because I love Van Helsing, the other Underworld movies. I, I think I think the main the main girl from Slumdog Slumdog Millionaire could do it. I think she could do it. That would be interesting. Even though, she, even though she's Indian, but you know, there's ways you could there's ways you could like you know. Yeah, as absolutely. long as they look like it, as long as she's not blonde, you know, as long as she's not blonde. Oh yeah, and he, and even the girl on Smallville probably could get away with doing it. Would I want her to be cast? No, I don't think so. But she could get away with it. And come on, and this kind of relates to what we're talking about this week. Um, Brent State, the guy who played Doctor Fate slash Kent Nelson, he pretty much set the standard for all great Doctor Fates. So. Oh yeah. Absolutely, but if they do do a Dark Universe movie and it does get pitched and happen, I really want Dr. Fate to be more like Dr. Fate in the Justice League animated series, quite honestly. I, I want him to be more like the one we saw in Smallville, because that guy was awesome. Well, I, I thought he was awesome, too. I loved I loved him in uh, Society and Legends, but, I mean, in terms of Dr. Fate, if you're going to make him the all-powerful character in the movie as he's supposed to be... You would need to base him more off of the DC animated universe appearance than the small well, appearance. One last thing about Justice League Dark: that isn't a title that's been around for too long, has it? Nope. Started with the New Fifty Two. It's only on issue seventeen or eighteen. You know who they're gonna get to direct that? You know, you know who they're gonna get to direct that? Who? If Gear if Gear Tor drops out, it's gonna be Zack Snyder. If Man of Steel does really well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, did you get Andy's Empire magazine? Uh, yes, I did. I just haven't opened it yet because I haven't had, I've been like so busy with other things. But I did get it. I was reading. So I was reading the uh, Man of Steel article in it today, and oh my gosh, woo! It gets you so pumped for the movie. It's not even funny. Yeah, I'm already pumped. Oh, speaking of Superman, I have to give a shout out to Professor Bailey, Professor Michael Bailey. He had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Professor Bailey. Yep. Happy birthday. Yes. Uh, the, there's a reason why we call him Professor, because he knows pretty much everything about DC that you could possibly get. Especially so, Superman. When, when I have a question about Superman, I go to him. Um, 
this is actually kind of like unrelated news as far as DC, but the last Iron Man 3 trailer is supposed to come out on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm anxious for that. I'm anxious for that. Yeah, usually there's three trailers, right, for a movie, then the movie comes out? Yep, usually then, three trailers, sometimes four, depending on how far back they start the trailers. Yeah, well, like, Star Wars has, like, four, but that, well, they start to hype up for that really early, but usually there's three. I'll be TV honest, spot, I, I decided... TV spots don't count. TV, no, TV spots do not count at all. But I'll, I'll, I'm going to say this right now, I, I've decided that today... This morning I decided that I am not going to spoil myself on anything for episode 7. Except for casting and director. Not even a trailer? I may watch a trailer, but I'm not going to look up any specific spoilers or set picks or anything like that. Like I normally well, would with a movie. I just can't well, do it. Well, Lucasfilm's very good about keeping things under wraps. There weren't so much for episode 3, but you know, I'll let that slide. But now D- Disney has them, so who knows how well that'll be now. You know and Disney doesn't release anything. They release nothing until the last minute. That's true. But um, I'm, I'm just going to explain real quick, guys, what we're going to do today. And then I have an email to read, actually, from one of our dedicated fans. But um, on this episode of Longbow Hunters, Wu and I will be covering the 16th episode of Arrow, entitled Dead to Rights, and the 21st digital comic book for Arrow, entitled Detour. So... I just, I just wanted to get that out there, just in case you guys were wondering what we were covering at this point. But, um, Wu, are, is that all you have with news? Um, I can't, th- I can't think of any anything else. Nothing really that big in terms of in the in the DC or the or the uh, in the DC world, other than Z- Scott Snyder getting lots of hats, getting lots of hats over at DC right now. As he should, from the way it sounds. Do you want to address my my photo that I posted on the social network pages? Could be uh, from Mr. George DeKai's page that I posted. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Why don't you describe it, Michael? Because I, I'm a little bit. Well, it's not that I don't want to describe it. You describe things better than I do. Well, that's that's kind of a frightening thought. Um. No, basically what Wu showed me today, and if I can find the post, it would be quite helpful, but it doesn't look like I am. Anyway, what he posted to me today was a picture of Batman, and I'm not going to use the word, but B-slapping Robin in the face, and basically Wu is like, hey, I'd kind of like to see this happen with uh, Oliver to Roy Harper on Arrow. Well, Robin, Dick Grayson, Robin, like the word bubble is, hey, name all the cities, and, he, and Batman just cuts them off with a slap, and this word bubble, no. Yeah. Insert family guy joke here. <laughs> I, I love it. It's a great, it's a great meme. People have been using it forever now, and yeah. I would love, yeah. I would love to see that happen on Arrow, but yeah, I mean, I really would. Hey guys, really at least it's not Kal-El doing that to Kara. Because that would just be abuse. Well, she can take it. <laughs> it's not abuse if she's not crying. We guys. are not endorsing we are not endorsing slapping women on longbow hunters. No, we are we not. not. We are not endorsing it. And by the way, Andy, where is our ice cream? 
We can't slap Andy either, then, can we? <laughs> well, if Dan and, well, if Craig, Dan, and Nico say it's okay. Okay, well, then let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, this is the episode I think I've been waiting for this entire se- season. Well, you're going to have to wait a few more minutes because I have to read it an email. Oh. <laughs> just... Sorry, just, I, just, I just have just to slap it down. Just mocking me, sir. Mocking me. Well, you know, it's kind of like Batman and Robin, you know, it just, I gotta slap you mid-sentence, man. I mean... Andy? Andy, where's my ice cream so I can rock back and forth and eat my ice cream like a little girl? Oh, bless Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my. I'm all out of love. Anyway. No. We're gonna read an email today. From our good friend and fellow listener, Jeremy Schwartz. And he reads, Hey Michael and Wu, I tweeted you guys my thoughts on a few episodes, and now I feel that I must send in my thoughts via email, since I have so many thoughts concerning this amazing episode. This episode being actually last week's episode, but unfortunately we got the email a little too late. Yeah, our fault. Our fault. Yep. This episode is one of my favorites so far, second only to last week's, which I still... Ah which is still my all-time favorite up to this point. I want to begin discussing the theory I have of Frank, the man Moria saw at the beginning of the episode. Frank is the same actor who played Lau in the Dark Knight film. My theory is that they may be crossing over into the Batman world, despite his name being Frank, which could simply be a fake name. I'm also very glad to see that Oliver has Felicity as another moral compass to rely on. She can bring another viewpoint to the table that maybe Diggle cannot do. Speaking of Diggle, I'm glad he finally asked Carly out to dinner. We were all waiting for him to do it. Even though the dates went south for both Diggle and Oliver, they were still able to redeem it in the end. Well, Diggle anyway. Oliver sort of had the bittersweet redemption when Detective Hall got promoted to the hood case. The look on his face said it all. I enjoyed the introduction of Roy Harper. It wasn't overdone. I'm glad he only got a side story to introduce him, but that's just me. Moving on to the flashback, I think that showing Oliver's decision to not help the bleeding stranger was a great scene. We are finally getting to see more and more of Oliver's transition into his present day self, and I love that. By the way, that I'm no Robin Hood line, yes! Finally, with Mora's side story, I was surprised to see her recruiting help from China White, but not surprised that she would recruit criminals. We've seen how dark she can be before, so this was no surprise that she would do this. Before I say goodbye, I want to mention two things. One, Felicity looks so sexy in this <laughs> at the auction. I was blown away. And two, I will never, I never knew how tall Thea was. She's taller than Laurel, and I thought Laurel was tall. That had nothing to do with the plot, but I was surprised by Willow Holland's height. Well, that's all I have to say on this episode. Keep up the great podcast. I've been listening since the beginning, and I'm happy to have your insights to accompany accompany. Sorry, my experience of the show. Sincerely, Jeremy Schwartz. Jeremy, you also sent me your address. I will be sending you a copy of the Arrow Special Edition Issue 1 comic book. Okay, one thing I have to say about... One thing I have to say right now on all seriousness. I know it's called Rum Raisin Ice Cream, Michael, but you don't have to drink actual rum while reading the email. Oh, yeah, I know, right? That was a long email. That laugh was 
the piano was waiting for it. Thank you very much. And secondly, Jeremy, thank you. Uh, thank you for the email. I think it's because Will Holland and um, um, Katie Cassidy, where do you have exterior scenes on this show? We really do have exterior scenes. Exterior scenes in what sense? Exterior scenes and like walking and talking outside. We don't usually get that on the series very much. Oh no, that I guess that's true. Yeah, that's probably why we didn't. Well, because you know they're usually in sets. They, they don't, don't go usually... outside because then their purses get stolen. That's why it's never happening again. <laughs> and, well, in plus, like in all seriousness, and I'm being totally serious, one of the reasons why they don't do exterior scenes on shows a lot unless they don't have to, because when you're doing walking and talking, and your set's only like you know x amount of space, like it's hard to do to make actors walk like that and make it look natural, and still be on a set and not look like you're walking in circles, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why they don't do it as much. And I think Willa Holland was wearing heels, too. Maybe that's... Well, and plus, Katie Cassidy isn't really that tall, either. No, she's not. <laughs> if you've seen her on Supernatural, she's even shorter than Jensen Ackles, and Jensen Ackles is not a tall man. Yeah. Um, speaking of... I think it's just Jensen Ackles' birthday today, as well. Or it was yesterday. It was yesterday, and I believe um, there was also someone else's birthday yesterday. And I have to remember, I think it was someone important to Superman. He's still oh, drinking. Yes. He's still drinking, folks. That's the sound you heard. Haha, <laughs> very funny. No, March 1st was also the birthday of Tim Daly and Zack Snyder. Oh, so, so Superman, thank you. Superman, thank you very much. Yes. So, yeah. so very happy birthday to them. Glad you guys are still alive and kicking on Supernatural, you know, DC animated movies, and, of course, The Man of Steel. Can't wait to yes. see more of all and, three of those. And, Andy, no more rum raisin ice cream for Michael, please. We need him sober for the rest of the show. Yeah, Michael clearly can't read emails. That'll be Woo's job from now on. Yeah, no, I, I, can't, I can't read. It, it conflicts with my sex appeal for this podcast. Oh, my lord. Okay. Anyway, we are going to be talking about the episode Dead to Rights today, uh, which was written by Jeff Johns and directed by Glenn Winter, a team that we've Jeff, seen on Smallville. Who is, this, who is this Jeff Johns guy? Who is this? I don't know, some, <laughs> some overrated, underappreciated comic book writer guy? I don't know. Is his real name Glenn, and does he have a Galadriel problem? No. <laughs> Uh, uh, no lie, ladies and gentlemen, I was half expecting the banjo guy and the Green Lantern squirrel to show up in this episode. I'm bigot. Still one of the funniest things I've ever seen. No, badge. That's his name. I'm yeah. badge. Yeah. Um, one more piece of news that I forgot, forgot to say. I need to take a picture of this. I need to. But for the poster of Injustice, the video game, you see Superman and Batman about to, like, lunge at each other. Kind of like in the Injustice comic. And you see Green Lantern lying on the ground. You see a dead or green, green arrow, too. Green arrow, green arrow lying on the ground. Sorry. Well, for those of you who don't know, the Injustice uh, Gods Among Us video game is a video game brought to you by the guys who do the Mortal Kombat series, starring characters from the DC Universe. And actually, they they have a YouTube channel right now where they're putting a bunch of heroes and villains of the DC Universe against each other and they fight and all that. And Stephen Amell was actually interviewed 
to see who would win, Green Arrow or Hawkgirl. And clearly he said Green Arrow because he plays Green Arrow on Arrow. But it was really cool to see him on the video because it just shows how much DC is really trying to utilize Stephen Amell and his popularity on Arrow. As they should, because it's a great show and he's a great actor. I didn't know that. I needed to look up that after we are done recording. And now I have a visual of Stephen Amell as Green Arrow versus um, Adrian Padalecki as Hawkgirl. Because that's who I would cast as Hawkgirl. That's but not moving, bad, yes. But, but moving to this episode, sorry we, we're going all over the place, guys. But going to this episode, again, this is the episode that I was waiting for this entire season. When I found out Jeff Johns, in, in all seriousness, Jeff Johns is pretty much the lord of DC Comics right now. He's kind of the lord of comics in general right now, quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. Him, it's him and Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis is from Marvel. Who I don't even <laughs> think is that great anymore, honestly, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a DC. Maybe you, 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 Dan, and I should have that conversation. Because that would be like a wonderful 30-minute episode of DC Nation. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> 30 minute, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, okay. But seriously, this is the episode I've been waiting for all, all, all season long. Jeff Johns, one of the greatest of the current writers, he's the best at DC right now. I agree. Yeah, he, usually his stuff is hit or miss, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, he hasn't really written very much for Green Arrow in terms of the comics, right? Um, only um things that involve tie-ins, like with Justice League, uh, Infinite Crisis, stuff like that, but never a Green Arrow series uh, by itself, no. Yeah, he's most known for things for, like, Wally West, Flash, uh, Superman, Green Lantern, Green Lantern, Aquaman, yeah. Justice League. Batman, your yeah. first one. Yeah, but not really green. But not really green arrow. And like my partner said in at the beginning, this episode was directed by Glenn Winter. And if you recognize that name, he was one of the one of the directors on Smallville. He directed Society and Legends. No, just um, Society. Because oh, Tom Welling did oh, Legends. Oh yeah, uh, Tom. Yeah, you're right. He directed Society, he directed Legion, which is the Legion of Superheroes episode. Both of which um, Jeff Johns wrote. Yeah. Um, I don't know why he was just the story person on the Huntress thing, but I'm glad he got a full episode proper. And looking at a run sheet, a run sheet here, this was a total Glenn Winter directed scene. Would you agree in the, the way the style was done? In the beginning, yes. With the big wide shot and the swooping shot of the helicopter. Well, may did, I, did it kind may of... May I say... Oh, before you go, may I say I'm not complaining. I'm just I'm just observing. I'm not complaining. I'm just observing. Yeah, no, no. I didn't think you were complaining at all. I don't think our listeners did either. I mean, we've praised both Jeff Johns and Glenn Winter on numerous occasions. But um, I was just going to say, I think that open the opening scene in this episode, to me... To me, at least, it reminded me a lot of the opening to Society in Smallville Season 9, the uh, first part of the Absolute Justice event, because it opened up with that swooping scene of the city. It opened up with characters, you know, moving in on something, a villain coming in, and a hero taking him down. Well, Glenn Winter really does like those transitions, doesn't he? There's yeah. very many of these in Society, too. That's swooping to make it almost look like a wipe. 
Yep. Toy next scene. It's very like cool. We see, it's very well we done. see that from, we see that in the the transition from the cave to the island, which we'll get to. You know what I mean? Yep. Which which is old school, and people think it's like too much, like you know, Silver Age DC. But you know what? For this, you know, I like it. I don't want it every episode, but you know. For the people in the know, like my partner and I, and probably a lot of you guys listening, we like it. We like the little, the little pinch of old school in terms of like the directing and writing. Mm-hmm. Very much so. But I, I really liked the scene at the beginning. I really liked when the guy got off the plane and Oliver just shoots the arrow at him, and the guy deflects okay. it with his knives. Okay. Oh my gosh. But- that dialogue from the guy, the, the, the Spanish guy, didn't that reek of Jeff Jones and just the way it was written? You built yourself a reputation. Yeah, it's classic comic villain. I love yeah. it. Well, it, I mean, it reminds me of what Icicle said in, um, I think it was Society. He starts off with, anybody want some ice cream? Yeah, yep. I love that. I mean, it reminds me of reading a comic. Because really, you don't have enough of that anymore. And quite honestly, shows like um, Smallville, Human Target, Arrow, Birds of Prey, stuff like that that are on TV, that are live action, they're, it really the whole intention of the series is to bring a comic book to life for the audience. And if you can't have the dialogue or the characters or the universe that's like a comic book, then what's the point, really? Yeah, I think uh, I think Brian Q. Miller and Jeff Johns would concur with that. And again, they don't do it every time. They don't do it at the top of every scene. No, no, no. no. They do it. They do it when it makes sense. And uh, the fight scenes in general for this were excellent. They didn't do the stereotypical fighting in genre series that I hate. You do a lot of quick cuts and then you show a lot of punches. No, we stayed with this on the helicarrier like we do later on with the fight with China White. But I loved I loved the last shot before we got into the title card. McKenna Hall, or as I like to call her, Officer Hottie, um, looking at the arrow and like just thinking to herself, son of a bitch, she struck again. I love how you say that in such, like, disgust and remorse. You struck again. Well, that's the look on her face, I know, I know, I know. Look back at that scene, like, son of a bitch. You beat us here. (laughs) Now you're sounding like Dean Winchester. Balls. No, yeah, I mean, the opening scene was great. It got me hooked on the episode automatically, just like a comic book would. So, I mean, it was, and the fight, like you said, they stayed with it. They didn't do a whole lot of quick cuts. It, it almost kind of, <clears throat> in a way, reminded me of uh, Clark and Zod's fight at the end of Smallville Season 9 in the way that it was shot. And speaking of that, Greg Beeman, please come to Arrow to do one episode. Pretty please. Didn't he do one? Or, no, that was Guy B. Never mind. Yeah. I hope yeah, he does. Greg Beeman. Not, not, uh, I just, I just want to see some Greg Beeman special feature. It's on the DVD or Blu-ray of him acting like Greg Beeman. <laughs> like, like, just for him to go to Stephen and all, go, Stephen, you, here's the shot, here's the shot, Stephen, we go here, and then we go here over, over to Colin, and then we go back to Cassidy, <laughs> oh my gosh, and by the way, shout out to James Bamford, because, the stunt coordinator of Arrow, because this guy, 
really, I mean, he's had a lot to do this season, but he had a lot to do this episode. And just congrats, yes. congrats to him because he really did it well. He, I really bought these fights. I, fights, I like them a lot. Yes, and before we go into our next thing, I have to say what my partner said. Love the shot of the him taking Oliver taking the Windows Phone out of the guy's hand with just the arrow. Yes, just so good. Yeah. I like the McKenna thing with Oliver in the hallway. Yeah, I like that too. It was, it, for lack of a better word, and don't make fun of me, but it was cute. It worked. Yeah, and, and this is not going to be cute right here. You know the joke cut they get to the door? Yeah. You know what I was thinking both times while I was watching watching that watching that when they go to the jump cut? What? Are they trying to have us think that Oliver and McKenna had a quickie right before they knocked on that door? Oh my gosh. Are you serious, no, Wu? No, they've done that on like other shows, sir. That's how I, why I bring that up. But they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it when we to see the But I don't know. Like the only reason you do a jump cut like that is to, is to like do it for, and I'm not saying, saying that for like sexy purposes more so than for comedic purposes because we'd have to assume that uh, Tommy caught them but no you didn't catch them and the look on McKenna's face made it look like they did they did do that in the hallway maybe and that I'm was the thinking, point maybe they wanted to make it look like they were going really well I, I don't know either way funny either way really funny so we find out that Tommy's birthday is in March Nice to know. March. No, it's not. It'd be in February, because the episode aired oh, in February. Oh, oh, February. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Febu February. February yeah, 27th. Nice yeah, yeah, it's nice to know. It's nice to know that Tommy Merlin is a Pisces. Yeah, because we never got that in, in any other episodes leading to this. That's what I love about TV shows. People's birthdays just tend to happen, and no one mentions it at all. It's like, happy birthday, which we never mentioned for, like, 15, 16 episodes. Yay, Tommy. Yay, Tommy. Not like it really matters, though, until it is their birthday. I mean, yeah, we, we yeah, went five no, years on Smallville without knowing Clark. I just find it funny in all TV shows that they do that kind of stuff. They never mention, like, in, in any episodes, like, when people's birthdays are. They just throw it in because it works. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, and the whole it being Tommy's birthday at this time... At the, in this episode, I think that worked really well. Yeah. I think that worked really... I mean, qu okay, quite honestly, I'm just going to go off right now. I hope Jeff Johns got a lot of clearance to do a lot of the stuff he did in this episode because so much happened. I can't believe that he just came in, did that, and walked away. <laughs> um, I'm thinking th um, this is a word picture here for you, my partner and the and the folks listening to us on their tablets or their computers or their smartphones, what have you. Here's what happened. Jeff Johns pretty much came in with the equivalent of, of the green arrow bow in his hand. And he pretty much pointed the bow at all the writers. I'm gonna do, he throws it down on the table. This is what I'm going to do. And you all got a problem with that? And you all got a problem with that? It's kind of what he did with Society and Legends, if you think about it. He threw so anybody, much stuff in there. <laughs> Guggenheim? Berlinti? Crisper? No? Anybody? 
Well, it's a good it's a good thing him and Andrew Kressberg are friends. They're currently writing the uh, Vibe series together that they're rebooting, and it's a good thing they're friends. Because if not, I mean, I don't think he would have been asked to come back. <laughs> well, I, I think I think he has not, and I, I meant that jokingly too. I think I think he has enough clout within the within DC that he can pretty much write anything he wants within reason. Oh, you know I'm joking, absolutely. But I mean. There's so much happened the entire time I was thinking, like, did he just walk in here and do this and leave? <laughs> I, on the one hand, I wouldn't be surprised. On the other hand, if that's true, that is the absolute hilarious thing. I can just see him doing that and then be like Jay-Z. Drop the script and then just walk out. Exactly. Like a Jay-Z move. Yeah. Chicka Chicka Jeff Johns, that's right. But going back to Tommy's birthday party, I loved, I loved the, um, well, I loved how everybody was so happy at the beginning. Mainly, like, like, um, Tommy seeing McKenna and Oliver. Um, uh, and I love this continuity that Dinah is still really uncomfortable to be around Oliver. Well, I, I think at this point in the episode, Lou, we should probably start saying Laurel just so we don't start confusing people for the future. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I love how Lo- I love how Laurel I agree. is, you know, but I agree. still still very very uncomfortable to be around Tom. I mean, be around Oliver when Oliver really isn't that uncomfortable. No, Oliver's not at all. And in fact, I think Laurel's a lot better than she was. I think she's okay to be around him. She's just still a little leery of it because of the past and because it still hurts at this point. Yeah, and this establishes that um, Laurel and um, McKenna, Tommy, and Oliver, they ran in different social circles. Like, McKenna, Tommy, and Oliver were more like the party people, and Laurel was like the girl like staying at home doing her homework. But according to what we've heard before, Laurel, Tommy, and Oliver were the ones who always hung out. Yeah, but I, I'm assuming that Laurel was the one that, when it really started to get, when it was 9 o'clock, she, she left and the rest of them were like, okay, it's 9 o'clock, there's still a lot more to do, let's go party. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Which makes sense. I, I lo- well, she's a very, before, she's a very um, strict person in terms of how she is and how she handles herself and holds herself, you know? But I will say but I will say this. Even though I agree with you about Laurel, here's the thing about Laurel that just made me go a little like made me uncomfortable a little bit. When she calls Tommy baby, yeah. it, it felt so forced. Yeah, I am sorry. Like not even Jeff Jobs could fix that for me, because this relationship feels so fake. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm I, sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I feel more for McKenna and for Oliver at this point. And we know that relationship is doomed. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, we know both of them are doomed, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I didn't buy that for one second. I have to, I have to say this. And we have to go into the next scene. Um, John Berman has the ability to be very charismatic, very creepy, snake like make you very uncomfortable but yet still give you a little bit of hope about his character that's the sign of a fantastic performer uh, he really gave me hope when he gave his speech 
I'll be honest. I I still think there's possibly some good in him after that speech. Well, and and also like you much like John Glover on Smallville, he carries so much weight with him. Like well, and he I has saw... this presence about him, like Lionel Luther did. That you, you just he walks in, and either you hate him or you love him. I still, hate, I, hate, I still hate the character's guts, but look at how everybody reacts to him when he walks into the room. Exactly. It's not just the awkwardness between Tommy and his father. It's everybody. Yeah. It's not just because of that. I mean, look, I mean, not very many people can shake Oliver Queen, but Malcolm Merlin can do it. Well, the thing is, too, when he opens the door and he goes, Laurel, may I come in? She's, like, she's not about to refuse him. She's like... Oh, 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 okay, and kind of just Cause, walks away. Because you really, because you really don't know what Malcolm Merlin's thinking or what he's about to do. No, he That's when a, he smiles at you and says, "Can I come in?" He looks like he wants to kill you. Or maybe he won't. Or, or eat maybe you. He won't. Or maybe he won't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, and like I love the scene in the hallway, and when he grabbed Tommy's arm. I was like, oh my god, what is he going to do? I know, I thought he was going to flip him over or something, but I had watched I the scene he, previously. I thought, so he I thought he was going oh, to punch him. I mean, that's the great thing about Barryman as a performer. Great performance. It's very hard, especially in the in the internet community that we live in, to when you do a performance, that the audience can't really tell what you're going to do next. Barryman's got that down pat. Oh, like, yeah. you really don't know what he's going to do. I agree. I, yeah. He's very he's very gifted in acting, yeah. absolutely. And the reason he in, he in, he goes to Tommy is a, to give Tommy his birthday present, but also to come to the gala where they're honoring him for like Southern City is honoring him. Which I have to agree with Tommy. Who the hell would have liked <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm Merlin as a a great man of anything? Are all these people drunk too, like my or, here? Or a humanitarian above anything like that. Yes. Yes. And like, by, by the uh, way, no Thea in this episode. But no I was okay Thea with at that. All. And wh- really, where would she be? Because Laurel's not a TNRI. Right. I was okay with it. I was yeah. fine with it. Maybe she could have been at Tommy's party just because of their relationship, but I, I, that might have been a stretch. Yeah, um, she's at Roy's, Roy's house right now, hiding under the covers. Oh my gosh. And and I know I know we kind of skipped over it. We didn't really mention the Diggle Felicity scene. I just I it was nice, but it's not something you can really you know talk about. I like that she's defending herself though. Talk about hot! I'm fan that emailed us, emailed us to, to talked about beautiful and Felicity before. Uh, talk about talk about hot right there, sir. <laughs> well, well, I know it gets Wu's blood pumping. Yeah, and I think and I think Emily, the actress who plays Smoke, it's probably nice that she's out of the, the white like button-up shirt and glasses and ponytail. Yeah, she's probably no glad, glad that she's wearing a different wardrobe after like seven, eight episodes. Well, she wore that nice dress and her hair down and no glasses last episode. Yeah, but other than that, you really—I mean, she really has like only one look. Nice to see her in like a different look for once. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But should we should we move on to um, Deadshot? Um, 
Or, we, or do we want to talk more about Malcolm and Tommy? I mean, because we can do um, that too. Well, I mean, we'll go, we'll go back to Malcolm and Tommy. I, I love how, I love how Tom, I love how Tommy kind of tells his father to back off and leave him alone. But it really does show that Malcolm. That this scene really does show, and it shows later on in the episode, he really took away Tommy's money to protect him for the time being. Now that he knows Tommy's safe, he's willing to give him back the Merlin fortune. Yeah, and it was I think it was really big and really strong of Tommy, not just for, you know, as a person, but as a character, to not accept it back. Because, well, be, quite honestly, and, that would be tempting, regardless of who's telling you he'll give it back to you. Yeah, and Tommy's really realizing, like, you know, uh, and I hate to use this reference, but, you know, because, like, it kind of doesn't fit. Like, kind of like Rachel Green did on, like, the first season of Friends when she got her her money taken away from her. Like, having your money taken away from you, you see what's really important in life. Like, Tommy says that he has his best friend back, which I thought the Oliver and Tommy stuff, I'm not going to get into that right now. I thought that was really strong. Because yeah. they they glanced over it a little bit this season, but they here here was front and center. And it needed really to like. be. Yeah. Um. I, but but let's but let's but let's talk about Mr. Lawton's return. How many people do you think who are just regular TV watchers who just enjoy Arrow were really surprised to see him back? Well, if you didn't show him in the trailer. <laughs> but, I mean, realistically, like, how many people would connect the dots if he hadn't been wearing that eye thing? I don't I don't think they would have connected the dots at all, mainly because of the way they shot the Bloodhaven apartments, which, by the way, what is that in comic book reference to? Uh, Bloodhaven is the sister city of Gotham City, which actually Dick Grayson as Nightwing protected for a very long time before moving back to Gotham. Okay, and the, here's the here's the thing ge- geographically wise, like uh, like Sterling City is supp- is supposed to be San Francisco in the comics before the New Fifty Two, and I think they really like made a Boston. Um. Yeah. They made it look like Boston, where I'm a, and this is just me spitballing. Gotham is like, like Philadelphia, and Metropolis is New York, in the comics now, and in the and in this new New Fifty Two verse. Um, I would have to double check with you on that because I think they actually mapped out everything in terms of cities, and I forget yeah. where everything is, but I think you're well, kind I'm, of spot on. Well, I'm just I'm just assuming, by the way, Nolan made it look that Gotham is Philadelphia. Well, we're Chicago. We're <laughs> Chicago. Well, I'm just I'm just keeping it on an East Coast thing because they want to make these cities close together. As soon as like four hours apart, um, or like six hours apart, I should say. Gotham is Philadelphia. Sterling City is Boston, and um. Metropolis is New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but going back to the Bloodhaven apartments and connecting the dots, I really don't think people did connect the dots because you barely saw Deadshot in the Deadshot episode earlier this season, and when you did, he was in shadow, and you barely saw his face. Yeah. 
Nope, and nope Oliver, I agree. And, and Oliver was talking to himself a lot in his head. Which was fine. Yeah. But I, I, one of my favorite shots of this episode, one of my favorite shots was the introduce of the Bloody Even Apartments and the introduction again of China White. I love, I've always loved that idea, that shot of somebody talking and then slowly they come out of shadow. Well, she, she, she herself even has kind of a certain type of presence on the show. And for her to do that was very menacing in a sense. But it was all, to me, to me, Wu, and this may be a stretch, at least in this season, but to me, she's like the Meg of Arrow. I, I, I wouldn't give her that title yet because just because the season the series is so young, but I can see why you would say that. Yeah, at least in terms of season one, Meg, and season one, China White, she's that type of character to me. Not, not a, just because the not just because they have blonde hair. No, 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 not not that at all. But yeah. Yeah, right. But I love I, I love. Because here's the thing, I I understand why they gave Deadshot the eyepiece in the in the first episode we saw him, but I think that like takes away a little bit from what we saw in this episode when she gives him the new eyepiece. What do you mean? When the, the, she gives her that telescopic, because why would he need the eyepiece when he didn't have a bad eye before? Um. I, well, the reason for that, and this is mainly just because in the comics he doesn't get his, he isn't blind in that eye. The reason he has the eyepiece is so that he doesn't have to use a scope originally, and now it looks like he has the eyepiece so he can see out of that eye, so he's a better shot. So it, I, there's a reason to it. <laughs> there's a method to the madness, but I get what you're saying. I, I'll let it go. I'll let it go for the sake of. I'll let it go for the sake of argument. Um. Um, going to Tommy and Oliver in the um, in the Chinese restaurant, and something that we didn't mention—it's not in—it's not in the script. The reason why they go to the Chinese restaurant is that they they want uh, Oliver retrieved um, the Spanish assassin's smartphone that looks a lot like the smartphone I have right now. Um, the that the Spanish assassin had on him when Oliver fought him on the helipad. They're trying to figure out who he was hired to assassinate and where he's going to strike next. They find they find out they find out that the chi the Chinese triad hired him, and the reason why Oliver and Tommy go to the restaurant is so that Oliver can celebrate Tommy's birthday. By buying him fried fish, because that's what you do for your best friend, and to find information. I love, I love Felicity Smokes' um, lines before they go to the Chinese restaurant. Um, Hacking is my middle name. Actually, it's Megan, but Felicity. <laughs> I was like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> yeah, and I love her line. I think it's time for Chinese food, and Diggle just goes, hmm. Yeah. Diggle's like, yeah, I, I can actually go for that. Yeah, Eagles, Eagles. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, I like the Tommy Oliver scene a lot. I thought it was a good bonding moment between them, especially in terms of, you know, what they've both lost and what they've both got, gone through, and they're kind of bonding over that experience. 
But I and I think and I will say, I know part of the reason Oliver was there was for his mission, but I really felt he was really there for Tommy, even over the mission. Like I think he could have gone there without having to go with Tommy, but he brought Tommy because he wanted to be with Tommy. Yeah. And and I love that. I love this episode for Colin Dahl because really he hasn't shown much range as an actor. Not his fault, really. Just because there's been more storylines. I love that scene at the restaurant when he's talking about your dad took me to my first hockey game. Your dad taught me how to fly fish. You know, took us to our first this. R-rated movie. Yeah. Yeah, because it really does show that Oliver and Tommy have not just been friends for like six months. They've been friends practically their entire lives. At least, at least been... since before he was eight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, this is what's gonna, and that's what's gonna cause the kind of Obi Wan Anakin breaking that we're gonna see later on. And that's not spoilers. That's not spoilers. No, no, that's been confirmed in interviews with um, executive producers and stuff like that. Yeah. We we just don't know when or how or any of the details. We just know that he has some sort of dark destiny, regardless of what kind of destiny it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and, And Oliver kind of reveals to Tommy that you might have loved my dad, and I love my dad too, but he was not a perfect person. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think this is the first time we really hear Oliver express his anger towards his father, because before he's really just been following his father's orders and trying to carry out his mission and his last, you know, will and testament in a sense, but we've never really got the internal conflict Oliver's had to deal with because of his father, and for him to actually go out and say, I have a lot of anger towards my father, he was not perfect, is something Oliver has never really expressed or been able to express, and I think here it really just shows how much he trusts and loves Tommy enough to tell him that. And also, I mean, we haven't really gotten this from Oliver, like you said. Oliver is on a mission that he doesn't know after after years after at years end the our our last tie this episode, like really. He has a mission which he doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's doing, and he doesn't even know what he's doing it for. I think he does. I just don't think he completely understands how big the mission is. For for our for our Harry Potter fans listening, like I am, I mean, it's pretty much Harry and Dumbledore. Harry going after like the Horcruxes, but in this, in that sense, he Harry trusted Dumbledore. In this instance, Oliver has a mission, but he doesn't really trust his father. I don't know if it's that he doesn't trust his father, Wu. I think it's just that he's angry at his father and upset with his father for all the bad things that he's been responsible for, and is trying to clean up his mess. Kind of like we, kind of like we've heard in the first half of the season. Let me clarify, he trusts the list, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to his father, though. But if he is trusting the list, he's trusting exactly what his father had and what his father wrote down, therefore trusting his father. You get what I'm going at? Yeah, but I think we're going to get an episode, like, at least in season two. Like, he goes, if it involves Vertigo, he sees his father, and the first thing he wants to do in his anger is to punch his father. And I think that would be a really great episode. 
Like I would really, like you said, I would really like to see an episode where the count comes back, doses Oliver with Vertigo again, and he starts seeing different people in his life that he either really loves or really wants to like kill in a sense. Yeah, we have to get we have to get to the fight scene in the back. Do you love or do you hate the Oliver still acting as Green Arrow in the cover of Dark News, even though he doesn't have his gear with him? In the uh, restaurant? Yeah, in the back of the restaurant. Which, by the way, my dad used to run a restaurant like that. Yeah, it does look... The back area, it kind of does look like that. That is awesome. But yes, I, I, I like that he did that. I liked how he sprayed the stuff in the guy's eyes. And I love I, how he spoke in the Mandarin with the dark voice. Because really, if he's still going out there and eating and still wants to have a re- nice rest of the meal with Tommy, he's got to do something like that to conceal his identity. Yeah, and what I love too, again, like with the helipad scene, total Jeff, total Jeff Johns, like Korka fight scene. Yeah, I love the thing with the hot sauce, and I love that the Chinese guy said that the guy spoke perfect Chinese. He's probably looking for a Chinese guy, and the big thug is looking for a Chinese guy, and then Stephen Amell, one of the greatest pantomime things I've ever seen him do. He like. Sign thing with his hand and goes check please. Yeah, and he says it so calmly. It's great. Yeah. Check please. Like nothing check. just happened. Yeah, I think that, I think that was probably Jeff Johns's favorite um line in the episode. Check please. Oh yeah, most likely. But um, do we do we want to move on to the banquet? Um. Yes. Let's. Uh, um. Actually, one thing that I wanted to touch on, again, this is a Jeff Johns thing, how epic and film-like did that boardroom look with the members of The Undertaking, I'm assuming, in the um, Merlin Global Group office, I'm thinking? Yeah, the Merlin Global Group, that has to be what it is, because the M logo is there. Yeah, that set looks amazing. That is so Dark Knight-ish. That looks a lot like the Wayne boardroom, except smaller. Well, um, uh, not even Dark Knightish. That's so DC looking. Yeah, like total DC, you know, evil businessman or just you know businessman tycoon sort of thing. Yeah, and I love the swooping. These uh, it, it is stereotypical, but it, it works. The swooping, like the th- almost the three sixty shot with the camera. Yeah, I mean that's Glenn I, Winter. Yeah, yeah, I have to give I have to give the actress Susanna Thompson a lot of credit because she did a lot with doing so little. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how she acted with Malcolm in this episode, like I don't know if I'd be able to act like that with someone who I knew I I just killed. Yeah, and go and going to and going to the going to the ba- going to the banquet, and Tommy. Tommy, the whole reason Tommy's there, and this is kind of Oliver's fault, the only reason Tommy goes is what Oliver said to him in the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. good job, Oliver. Yeah, I didn't really think about that till now, but yeah, he wouldn't have been in danger. He wouldn't have found out Oliver's secret if Oliver if Oliver didn't tell him to go. But that's the poeticness of Jeff Johns, too. But, but, the, but to Oliver's that's credit, he, he didn't know he didn't know Malcolm Merlin was the target, though, too. No, not not till like, almost immediately after he left with Al- Tommy. <laughs> after, after, the, after the scene in the, in the boardroom, 
Don't you love how, like, the tension is building towards the party with everybody doing, like, the 360, not the 360, but the profile wipes? First we go to Oliver, then we go to Tommy, then we go to Moira, who can barely put her earrings in. Yes, with that music. Oh, my gosh. I gotta, who does the music for Arrow? I can't think of off the top of my head. All right, let me look it up quick. Yeah. Hold on, just give me... Five but, more seconds. But the but the but the music. You're right. The music was as good, if not if not great. Blake Blake Neely does it, and Blake, Blake Neely, Neely, like you are incredible. Congratulations to you. Just like James Banford, I mean, wow. Just like Louis Fabray, I mean, you. You're 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 fantastic. You're fantastic. So we need to follow that guy on Twitter if he has a Twitter, because they did fantastic music in this episode. Um, it looks like he helped to, with some of the Pirates of the Caribbean and King Kong music too. Yeah, very 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 Hans Zimmer like in terms of the the way he composed just this just this episode. Going to the banquet, I love the the. The scenes between I'm I'm sorry to call him Wow, but I can't remember his name. Frank, Frank. and Moira. Yeah. I love Fra- I love um Frank and Moira after like Malcolm and Moira have that very uncomfortable dialogue about having dinner afterwards, and then Frank goes, "How can you talk to him like nothing's happened? I've been living this life for five years. Five more minutes isn't gonna kill me." Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh! We forgot to we forgot in, in that in that profile shot, the various profile shots. The best thing was China White telling her men what the what the plan was, and that awesome shot of Lon putting his eyepiece in. Yes, and Deadshot's new uniform that looks more like his comics uniform. Oh my gosh! I'm like, yes, new look for the win. I was kind of upset though. He didn't have the mask that Deadshot normally wears, but maybe we're working up to that. Yeah. Well, you have to assume Jeff Johns, if nothing else, and this is not a criticism again, because I, I, my voice, the the way my voice sounds, it sounds like I'm always being sarcastic, and I do not mean to. Sometimes I'm sarcastic, and sometimes I'm not. And this time I'm not being. I'm being totally not sarcastic. Jeff Johns, if nothing else, he's a stickler for making, you know dress and costumes look like as close to the comics as you can make it. Hence Hawkman and Dr. Fate. Well, I mean, even with, like, the accessories on Cosmic Boy's jacket. Or Martian Manhunter's new look. Or Deadshot, obviously, here. Like, he he knows how to make it look comics-like. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I, I'm I was surprised that we didn't see goggles on Oliver, but thank God, thank God we didn't, just because I don't. I, I, that's not our Oliver. Not that I don't like the new Green Arrow Fifty Two, I do, but that's not our Oliver, at least not in this version. Well, the new at least the, not at this time. Oliver doesn't wear goggles anymore in the new Fifty Two with the new run. He wears a mask again. Thank goodness. Okay. Uh, um. Going, going to the, going to the banquet with Griff. Oh, I mean, Candoria number three. I mean, uh, the commissioner, the command, uh, the police officer of the Sterling City Police Office, the police force. Oh my, Basquat is the name of the Candorian guy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is the same guy. The CW really likes to recycle people, don't they? And now, and now that the New Lantern 210 is cancelled, we'll probably see a lot of those people on Arrow and the Vampire Diaries and Beauty and the Beast and Akita. Oh, yeah, that's true. And probably Supernatural's people who get murdered and, yeah. Fun stuff. Well, I think this guy, this guy and the guy that plays currently Benny on Supernatural have been on, like, five different WB shows, I swear. Like, oh, Warner Brothers production. Well, wasn't Stephen Amell on Vampire Diaries for a little bit? Yeah, but that's only, like, two shows. These guys, these guys are peace. And I, I went back now in my memory banks, just in my memory. These guys have been on, like, between them, have been on, like, five different shows between them, including the shows they're on now. Yeah. Which is which is hilarious to me. But, but, but anyway, the banquet is probably, is probably, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say favorites because there's so many favorites in this episode of Vice Scenes, but this is, this was John Barrowman's standout performance of the season when he does his speech. Yeah. And notice the repeated line that goes throughout. It's not just Green Arrow's line anymore. Fill the city. Fill the city. Morris says it. Malcolm says it. Oliver says it. Huntress said it. Well, just in this episode, I don't think we've had this many people in just one episode say you filled the city. That's true. We probably haven't. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, again, Jeff Johns, he loves those one-liners, and he'll use them as much as he has to. Yeah, and and really, and really, if nothing, if nothing else. This series is about redemption and about trying to retrieve what you've lost. Yep. Whereas Smallville was about secrets, this is about retrieving what you've lost. Yeah, I mean, clearly the show isn't about secrets because Oliver has already revealed a secret to three different people. And one of them is going to be his main villain in the future. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, and really, it bleeds into um the, the the Lance women, which we'll get to later on in the episode. But again, about John Barrowman, look at his eyes during that scene. He's not putting on a show just for putting on a show for all these people. He really, he really and truly believes what he says, and I think it's one hundred percent genuine. The way he's going to do it, that's the wrong thing. But I think the intentions behind it, very much like a certain a certain man with a funny mustache and goatee, which we'll get into later, his intentions are very noble. Yeah. Just the way he gets to it, that's the, that's the bad part. And I love that it's affecting Tommy because Tommy can tell that his father's telling the truth. I lo- but my favorite shot in the whole thing is Moira's look at Tommy, yep. knowing that what Moira's about to do to Tommy and his father. And she's like, that. oh no, why are you here? You cannot be here right now. Yeah, because really, again... Moira is a victim of circumstance, yes. And, you have to rem- and this episode really reminds you of that, too, because she's not totally comfortable with doing this. Like, she wants to do it, but it's like... But she doesn't. 
you want to punch somebody in the face. You really want to punch that person you don't like, but you don't know what's going to happen if you actually get that thing done. Yeah. Well, and plus, plus, she's going to have to watch, and she, now she knows Tommy's going to have to watch. Yeah. And, and damn you, Malcolm Rowland, for mentioning your murdered wife. Yeah, that, that got me. I'm like, okay, I know you, I know you really want to help people. <laughs> because, because Moira was, I think Moira and Frank were just expecting him to be like a pompous ass like he usually is. They weren't, they weren't expecting him to be like upfront and honest about his feelings and about what he plans to do, at least the good part of it anyway. What he plans to do with the, with the city, Starling City. And I'm sorry, but... I may be dumb here, by the way. Channel White looks absolutely stunning in that white dress, might I add. Yeah. Not that I'm a big Channel White fan, I just had to mention that because, again, wardrobe in this episode, top notch. No one no one notices that all the, the waiters are a bunch of Asian men that look like they could be related. <laughs> no, I guess not. They're too focused on Malcolm Merlin's hypnotizing speech and his oh. words. Oh, the, the, they're all Asian people. Oh, 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 I'm too busy drinking my champagne and eating my caviar. Oh, 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 oh. oh my. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, because these guys are not like, you know, what, what looks like typical waiters, you know? No, yeah, you know I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, but, when, but when the lights go out, Look how Malcolm Merlin is. He's not phased. No. He's worried about his son, though. I'll tell you yeah. that right now. He's scared to death about what's going to happen to his son if something goes wrong. Yeah. And everybody, and everybody and everybody's exit, exiting out the building. And exiting out the building in a, like a frantic manner. But we have to mention this beforehand because... um. We're not going to get into it too deeply, though. I love the look on Cassidy's face when she sees on her on her Windows phone who's calling her. And here's what I have to say about that. Okay. How, how in the world, or why in the world, if her mother ran out on her at such a young age, would she have her phone number? Well, I'm assuming that she left when she was like, like... 17, 18. But even then? Or, tw or 21, 22. Well, I don't know about that. Because don't they mention something about her, her leaving and their dad having to take care of him and that didn't work well because he became a drunk? Well, I'm, I'm going to do some I'm gonna do some math here. Hold on. Because I happen to, in the show, I happen to be the same age as, um, like, I was going to, I, I said Colin, but I meant Tommy, Laurel, and uh, Oliver. They were tw they were twenty two when all well, this happened no. with, the, with the with the boat accident. Yeah, so I, I, was I, I can wrong. assume I can assume that she was still around because they say she lived a couple months after the whole fiasco with Oliver and Sarah. So I can assume she still has her mom's number and she just never thought to delete it. 
Yeah. No, I was I was wrong. I'm looking at the uh, Arrow wiki, and it does say that after Sarah's death, she left. So, yes. I can, I can remember that because I can succinctly remember that Oliver's birth year is 1985, which is the same as mine. Nice. That's, you know, 10 years before mine, but close, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's how I can remember that for those of you wondering at home. But anyway, I, back to Cassidy. Good grief, what great acting in her face when she saw who was calling her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because she's such an open-hearted and warm person. Yeah, right, Tommy. Right. <laughs> and she's so trusting, and yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and she's so welcoming. Um, but back to the back to the um, party. China, I love how China White is it works for a mob, but she doesn't like things not going to plan. Yeah. I don't know. What's with but that? She must have. She must have had some pretty easy kills in her time. Then. I guess I don't know. Yeah, because I. I mean, I'm just wondering. Not that I set up a lot of people like that, but you, you're planning a hit on somebody so, so, so high on the food chain. You, you think that it's actually gonna go off without a hitch? Yeah, you would think, but I guess she thought, you know, she had it covered. By the way, I have, I have to say this real quick before I forget. Uh, and this goes back to the beginning of the episode. I'm sorry, I'm going off topic. But uh, oh, okay. Guillermo Bellera, the mercenary at the beginning of the episode, he is actually, and I can't believe I forgot about this, he is actually a Nightwing supervillain named Brutale. B-R-U-T-A-L-E. And yeah, he's he's kind of a big assassin who uses a lot of knives, and he's well known for his surgical skills and how pinpoint accurate he is with his throwing. So, I, I just had to put that in there. It's kind of sad that he died in this episode, but you know it was cool to have him in it at all. Anyway, going back to, to... Go, no, no no to go to go back to there, I can't believe Oliver killed him because he usually doesn't do that. Well, you know, and the thing is too, maybe he didn't die. No, I guess he did, because they say he went into the morgue. Yeah, I, I can't believe he did, either. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of a little um, extreme, don't you think? Well, well, it wasn't too shocking, but I was really shocked that he did that, because, like he said, he really isn't keen into doing that. But going back to the, going back to the, par- the party, though, or no, 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 not, to the, not to the gala, back to the um, um, Queen, Queen Club... I really like this relationship between McKenna and with Oliver, McKenna and Oliver, because really, it works and it's nice, and they don't expect anything from each other for different reasons. Yeah. And it works because, here's why it works, they're both so busy, which they mentioned twice in the episode, that's why she doesn't think anything of it when he needs to rush out and go do something. Because she has to do it too, mm-hmm. most likely. Yeah. And I really don't want McKenna Hall to die, but I but I do hope she lasts through the season, which I think she will, if nothing else. I, I don't think she'll die. I really hope she doesn't too. I think if worse comes to worth, worth, worse, she'll just move away. 
maybe, to, like, Bloodhaven or Gotham or something like that. I don't know. I, I hope she doesn't die either. Yeah, because I really, I really want her to, like, be a love interest for Oliver, but she's like, I, I, you know, I love you, but I can't handle you like this, and I know you're not going to quit, so I need to leave. Well, and you're not being honest with me and all this. Blah, well, blah, blah. I, again, I don't think it's I don't think it's about the honesty thing because honestly, like she's been she's been the way Diana G- plays this. I Diana G- plays this. I think she's hiding things too, but it's much more of a a, a guard, of a guarded thing around her heart, really. Not to get not to get too poetic, like I tend to do on this podcast, but she's hiding things too. And I think, and I think, and call me crazy, call me a crackpot. I know Dan and Nico, I stole your line. Um, call me a crackpot three, but I think she kind of knows that Oliver Queen is the Green Arrow. She probably has suspicions. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put yeah. it past her, but I don't know if she's she completely not, is convinced. She's not, st- she's not stupid. I mean, I'm not saying she knows for sure, but the way she looks at those arrows and like the way she looks at him, I think she's putting it together. Yeah. Because she's been a- around the hood enough, and she, she, I mean, the, the difference between her and Quentin Lance is Quentin Lance hates Oliver, and he doesn't want to be around him if he doesn't have to be, Where, whereas McKenna's known Oliver as friends for years, and he's been around him enough, and she's already been around Green Arrow to kind of tell how tall, how tall he is in his build. Mm-hmm. What do cops do? They remember, if they can't see somebody's face, they remember, like, their body type of what somebody looks like. She can probably tell that they're the same height and like, they're almost the same build. But again, that's the thing with Stephen Amell, to be fair. He's pretty average height. Yeah. He is, he's actually. Not, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not, like, not to, not to, um, degrade him, but he's not like Tom Willing Tall. He's very average height. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why she hasn't figured it out. But I think she partly can figure it out, mainly because, and here's the thing, I don't think she hates the Green Arrow as much as uh, Quentin Lance does. I don't think she really hates him at all. I think at this point she's just doing her job. Yeah, and really the Green Arrow has not done really anything to her. He's gotten away, yeah, but and probably because, like, again, Oliver has feelings for McKenna. She, he wouldn't hurt, he wouldn't hurt her. But she, he hasn't really done anything to McKenna Hall at all at this point, compared to Quinn Lance, who he is kind of annoyed by. Um, not to go too far back, but I do love that um, Oliver's still using the Aeroflon Forest to call Quinn Lance to clue him in that. Um, Malcolm Rowland's the target, but going to the China White and Green Arrow fights her. Yes. That was an awesome fight. I, lo- I loved, the, again, the great... Uh, Jeff Johns, we're sorry to kiss your rear end, but you're such a great writer, sir. Oh, we love I loved you. The line from, uh, I loved the line from China White. Or the line from Green Arrow, why are you targeting Malcolm Merlin? I'll settle for you. 
Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. I mean, and she's I kind her. of a nuts villain, like I said before. I mean, really, she's never had any real backstory until now. She's never had real anything to do outside of Green Arrow Year One until now. And I really like that they're expanding this character and really giving this character something to do in this series and giving her a prominent role, at least as in terms of recurring villain. Because some, that's something Green Arrow sorely lacks, is recurring main villains outside of people like Merlin or Deathstroke. Here's the, here's the thing, and that was in for dra- trauma, me taking a deep breath, may I add. Um, here's the thing about the fight, and I'll talk more about China White here in just a second. Again, the fight, great job by the fight choreographers again. They did a great job, and again, Glenn Warner. Bravo to you, sir. I hate it when, like, they do these jump cut, quick cut for fights to save money. You see almost every punch land. There isn't any awkward camera movements. This is a a show on fight to the point where it doesn't make it look like it's going to end in, like, two seconds. Like the first China White and Oliver thing in episode two this season. I really didn't like that one because I thought it was cut way too short. But this one, they had them fight. Really and truly, this time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even the one in episode two, Honor Thy Father. I mean, like uh, like you said, it was pretty short. It was cut short, obviously, because of Lance and all that. But what they did there was very cool. I think this was a really good sequel fight. I thought yeah. I thought this stepped it up and made it more exciting, but still, you know, keeps their kind of conflict intact from that to episode. The po- to the point where, to the point where you really think China White's gonna die by arrow yeah. at the end of this thing. You don't. You, I wasn't expecting McKenna, and to go back to China White a little bit here. I think through Kelly, who's acting that we see that the Green Arrow, of course, but we see that through her acting has really destroyed the Chinese triad. From mm. what they were to after he showed up, that's probably why she has such anger in her eyes when she sees Green Arrow again. Yeah. Because pretty much she's just he's destroyed he's destroyed her operation, and I and really we, we were thinking I I honestly thought China White was gonna die in this episode. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can yeah, see that. I, I was glad she you, didn't. It works better Because you really don't need China White to have Deadshot. Let's be honest. Well, no. I mean, obviously, I'd rather have Deadshot than China White. But in terms of this series, China White's been such a good villain to Arrow. I would like that con- to continue as long as possible. And honestly, and no disrespect to the actress. I don't mean any disrespect to the actress when I say this. She's a good plot device. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I love the thing with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> yes, it, that, that was like Skyfall. It, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought again, this line popped into my head: theatricality and deception, powerful agents. <laughs> Very nice. But the thing with Malcolm and Tommy. The thing when they're running through the stairs, when Malcolm takes down the 
the two guys with the pistols, and I love the look on Colin Donald's face when uh, Malcolm shoots the one guy in the face with the pistol. I mean, he doesn't know at all that his father can even throw a punch in the door and take down two armed men. Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. All we've seen him do and is, I like, love... fence, and that's about it. Yeah, and I love when they get into get into the panic room. Again, great 360 shot of the darkened um, panic room. And I, love, and I love this use of comic book physics, as I like to call it. Uh, I don't think I have on this show, but comic book physics. He's about to tell Tommy the truth, but then Deadshot blasts. The first shot with the, the sniper rifle was to break through the necrotempered glass. Yeah. That was the uh, that was that was or the or the Lexan glass. That was the first shot, just to break through the glass. When that happens, and Malcolm Merlin falls into the door into the door lock. I love that use of comic book physics. You're about to tell the truth to the one closest to you, but oh, you get knocked down, and coincidentally, you close the door shut on your secret entrance. Yeah, exactly. Coincidentally. I, it's cliched, but hey, they do it in soap operas all the time. And this episode felt a little bit soap opery, just about the aspect of you're about to tell somebody the truth, and then somebody just happens to walk in right when you're about to, like in the hospital with Moira. It's cheesy, but in this instance, it worked. Yeah. It worked. And I, I love it when he gets... I love it when Malcolm er- Malcolm Merlin gets shot, and I'm sorry to like offend any of our listening audience right now, but this is the truth. And I was watching this live, and I don't know how you were how you felt when you were watching this on the CWTV.com, Michael. But here's my first thought: when he got shot, why isn't he bleeding out? Yep. That was my first thought. Yes. Being shot with that high, you know, high-powered rifle, you would have bled out by now. And I thought, oh, bulletproof vest. But I remember, but I forgot about the Kirari. You want to talk about the Kirari? Your thoughts about this scene and the Kirari? I thought Oliver uh, looking at the bullet and finding out that it was Kirari right off the bat, just remembering from Lone Gunman what exactly Deadshot used. I thought that was very good. I, I like that because he worked so hard to build an, an immunity to it and make sure that he could cure, you know, Diggle of it, obviously. So I, I, I thought that worked. I, the fact that he... the fa- Okay, the fact that he had the bulletproof vest on, he being Malcolm, but still got poisoned by the Kiara does not make sense to me. Because, the, because get, getting shot... Because the bullets... Because the bullets went... Because the bullets impacted this, the um, vest, but the poison still could have gotten through to his bloodstream. How is that possible, though, if it, the bullet didn't penetrate the vest? Well, again, you saw some blood, so one bullet did get through there. Unless that was just because of the pressure of the getting shot. But either way, the poison could have gotten in because of that. That's true. Yeah. But no, I, I like uh, that Oliver did the blood transfusion. I like that he. I love this. I love this scene so much. 
Because I forgot about the Kirarian. I have to be honest, I forgot about that. I thought, oh, he got shot, but he has a bulletproof vest, everything's okay. But then I, I remembered, oh, the Kirarian. And I have to assume that Deadshot does that just in case he doesn't get a shot in. If he doesn't get a clear shot. Yeah, I would assume so. But the fact that Oliver has had to deal with it before and was able to save Malcolm... I mean, that whole scene between him and Tommy where he's like, why should I trust you? And Tommy, for the first time in probably his entire life, is holding a gun at someone who he thinks could possibly kill him or his father. He's scared to death, and he's asking, why should I trust you? Why should I do a blood transfusion? Are you really, do you really have our best interests at heart? Interests yeah, at and, heart. And, and Oliver's just and like, to, you always have. have. To remember, and you have to remember, too, why, would, why wouldn't Tommy think that this is just another assassin that could, that's after his father, after all he's seen just tonight? Exactly. That's exactly what I mean. Absolutely. So the fact that Oliver's like, or he's like, why should, you, why should I trust you? And Oliver takes off the hood and he's like, because you always have. That just was so powerful. The, he takes out the hood, he turns off the voice changer, and he and he says, um, because you because you always have I lo- but I love the scene before that though when he explains what Kirari can actually do. Cause we haven't because we haven't heard that before. How fa- how fast the effects of Kirari can actually affect a human being after he gets shot. No, I think we heard that when he was saving Diggle. Or he might have done that in the voiceover. He might when he have figured done. out he was shot with Kirari. Yeah, that's when he But in any event, I, I, loved, I loved the look on Colin Donald's face. Not just the realization that his friend is the Green Arrow, but also the realization that of what he needs to do with the blood transfusion. Yeah. Because Oliver's thinking this. Hold on one second. Hold on. In all seriousness. Damn it, I forgot my herbs. <laughs> yeah, probably. Why did I have to? Why didn't I b- bring my herbs with me? They taste like they taste like you know ashes. Damn it! Felicity, could you bring it over right now? I'm kind of busy training with Dig. Oh my! Don't stare at it, Felicity. <laughs> wow. Nice. But but. I, I love I love the look on Colin Donald's face because it's a realization of shock, but also sadness that his friend didn't trust him with this. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of. I mean, it is sad, but I think at this point, I think at this point, it was good for Oliver to tell him, and it was good for Oliver to tell him the truth that he was never really going to tell him, because I think. Because first of all, I think the fact that all or that Tommy protected Oliver from the police and his father shows his loyalty to Oliver. I don't think he's going to betray him at all. But at least I, at this point, at least at this point. But I I also think that Oliver admitting to Tommy that hey, I was never really going to tell you. I think in the long run, that's going to be a good decision for him to have told the truth. And really, and really, it has, and I have to make a leap here, it has nothing to do with Laurel. No. It has, this has nothing to do with Laurel. And I think the reason why he didn't tell, tell Tommy is basically why he didn't tell anybody that he's close to, like, relative-wise or friends-wise. Oliver, at this point in his life, 
doesn't see an out and out of this lifestyle until he dies. Yeah. I don't much like Bruce Wayne, I don't think he sees an end to this until he actually RIP dies. No, until Laurel until until Thea until Thea or until Thea and Laurel pretty much tell him that you know, we're here too and we love you. Yeah. And I think I think Tommy being there for him in this in a similar capacity that even I guess Pete Ross or Chloe Sullivan were for Clark Kent on Smallville. I think that capacity of him just being there and being able to be there for Oliver as a normal person, not just as Diggle, not just as Felicity, who know him both ways, but for Tommy, who knows him as his best friend, I think this in the long run is going to help Oliver a lot, and it's going to hurt a lot more if and when he betrays him. And here's the thing with um, Felicity and Dig. Not, not to discredit them because they do in their own way love Oliver, but again, they were never friends before he became Green Arrow. No. It's 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 different when let's say let's say somebody you knew and then this happens to you. It's different. It really is. It's like becoming fa- it's like becoming famous, and while you become famous, you have famous friends, but the people that knew you before, it's a little bit disconcerting to them. It's kind of like that. Yep. And um, I don't think we're gonna see Colin Donald for at least one or two episodes. Or maybe we'll see him for, like, a scene in one episode, and then he'll leave. Yeah, I was going to say, if we see him, it'll most likely be just, you know, for a scene. But I don't, I don't even think it might even not involve Oliver. Because here's the thing that I'm thinking of, too, now that um, Tommy and Malcolm's relationship is kind of mended. Like, he, like Tommy's going to quit the nightclub. Not that there's a nightclub to, to be around, but I think he's going to, like, join his father's company again. That's definitely possible. I hope he doesn't, just because I think at this point he really wants to prove on his own that he can be worth something without his father's money. But now that they've kind of mended fences, and by the way... Um, right. Great score in the hospital, in the hospital room. Love the look on Malcolm Merlin's face when he finds out the Green Arrow kind of saved him. And when when that music cue, that almost kind of like samurai music cue, came in. And who does Malcolm Merlin mention, sir? He mentions the uh, the ancient little village or town or whatever of Nanda Parpat. And please fill in our non-comic book listeners what that is. For our non-comic book listeners of Longbow Hunters, the Arrow podcast, Nanda Parpat, in the DC Comics universe, the universe where Green Arrow originated and exists currently in, Nanda Parpat is an ancient, um, like, almost spiritual martial arts type temple village center place and basically what you do there is you go there and you train and you find clarity of mind and peace of mind and you find your mission in life people like batman went there uh obviously green arrow at one point has gone there i believe nightwing and robin went there with batman uh superman has been there at some point 
Uh, Deadman originated from Nanda Parpet, but Nanda Parpet's master, its sensei, is actually run by Rachel Ghoul's father. Whose father? Rachel Ghoul's father. And, and did, somebody, uh, did somebody on this po- podcast mention Rachel Ghoul? Who is that? Uh, that Who was me. <laughs> no, that was that would be you. Will. Do you know how much I was freaking out when the music cue hit? Because oh my god, the, I was thinking that's when the music cue hit. And great again by the composer to use that music cue. I was thinking, oh my god, he's gonna mention League of Shadows. Well, League of Shadows themselves don't originate from Nanda Parpat. So. But are we? Are we, are we to assume that's where we were in Batman Begins? In the... in When he goes up to the mountains. That's not a par bad, right? Uh, I would have to double-check that. I actually don't think so, but I would have to double-check. It wouldn't surprise me, though. It wouldn't surprise me that that was not a par bad. No, I think it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise what? me either. It wouldn't surprise me either, but not a par bad is very different too because they do mention like snowy like the way malcolm Merlin mentioned that it was snowy mountains or it could be snowy mountains well yeah i mean it's based on a snowy mountain clearly yeah let me see which which in the dc universe apparently that's the only place where you can train okay according to what i'm reading here the only times in DC Comics media where Nanda Parpet has appeared was in the Justice League Unlimited series, that episode with uh, Deadman, if you remember that episode, Dead Reckoning, and obviously on Arrow when Malcolm Merlin mentions it. So I guess it's well, not the same place in Batman well, Begins. Well, isn't it fair to say, though, that even if... Because we have mentioned this on DC Nation and on here, that even though Christopher Nolan didn't say specifically that this was a certain place it was definitely inspired by things in the comic books oh yeah i may have been inspired by it but the league of assassins have bases everywhere of yeah, assassins have but, bases everywhere but i'm assuming that if, well, if they never show it on the show that that's what that is not a part that is where, where you see bearded bruce wayne and batman begins until i'm proven wrong that's what i'm thinking because really, that I mean, what he was describing—that's the first thought I had in my head—was Malcolm Merlin with a big, heavy, heavy beard. Like, you know, I'm not—I'm not saying Rajah Ghul specifically, but maybe that guy with the bald head and the white hair that we saw. Well, they say in Batman Begins that the place where they are, or at least where Bruce is training, is in Bruton, which is a. Uh, country in South A- Southern Asia. So I am not completely convinced. Not completely convinced, but it's possible it was at least inspired by it. Yeah, I'm assuming that the guy that m- approached Malcolm Merlin maybe was that guy with the bald head and the goatee from Batman Begins. Yeah, that's the sensei. Or at least he was yeah. his likeness was based off of the sensei. Y- y- yeah, uh, I'm assuming... Because really... And, again, I'm not complaining that you ripped off Nolan, but if you're going to rip off Nolan, yeah, rip off this, please. But, not saying I... Well, not saying not, I want not ripping Bane, off not Nolan. Not saying that I want League of Shadows, but just that all... 
the the shadows reach and no i'm not going into the all league of shadows like chant no i'm not doing that from the comics but that that the league of shadows reach is that wide you know, quite honestly, though, Will, and I think we talked about this when Firefly appeared on the show, I really do not want to see all these Batman villains appear on Arrow. I think. Oh, I don't either. Oh, I don't either. I'm just saying it's really cool to see how far-reaching the League of Shadows really is. Well, it, I mean, if they meant... Now, I would love a League of Shadows mention. If they mention them, like, helping fund the Undertaking or backing the Undertaking or something like that, that's okay. I just don't want them to, like, appear and come in and be big villains because I think if you do that, then you lose anything Green Arrow and people will just come watching because, oh, it has something to do with Batman. You know what I'm saying? I, mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but here's what I'm saying. I need to clarify it because I, I don't think you're hearing me correctly. and You may not be the only ones. I'm not saying I want to see League of Shadows on this show. I just think it would be cool. So you're not saying you want to, but you kind of want to. Well, not directly. So more like an offhand mention or see a few ninjas from there. Yeah, like people that are dressed from there. Because what, what does racial ghoul mean? Because it does the have a meaning, doesn't it? The demon's head. Yeah, if they mention that, if they mention not real, not real, ghoul. But the demon's head—you don't want to get the demon upset. That would be cool. I would be very on board with that. I would love that. Yeah. I just don't want uh, to see him. Do you know what I mean? At least not now. At least not while the show is still in its early infancy. At least not for a few years, and at least not if they haven't expanded enough things yet. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. To I, clarify. I'm, I, and I just want to clarify myself too. I'm not opposed to seeing him on the show ever. And I'm not opposed to seeing Rachel Ghoul, and I, I would very much welcome it. And I know if we ever do see him, who's gonna be like, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm be, gonna be like, well, I've enjoyed it anyway. But well, ultimate, ultimate, we're gonna be on video, and I'm just gonna be smiling and nodding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what I'm saying is, I don't want it to take away from Green Arrow, and well, I, and I really don't want them to put him in here just because they feel like they should put him in here just for it you know, fans benefit if there's no story yeah, because, point, if there's yeah, no story people, point involved. Yeah, because people that are not Green Arrow fans are just going to be like Michael said, oh my god, they're just stealing from Batman because they have no story. <laughs> I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I want to see it, Woo, but I don't know how it will work. That's all I'm saying. Okay, okay, just to clarify, you don't want to see it now, but let's say season four, season five, you see season six or something like that, it would be cool to see. It would be very cool to see, provided it's done right. Yeah. Um, I, and I want to see, and I want to see Bane in season six go up behind Green Arrow and Green Arrow go, boom, boom on you, sir. That's Bane. Yes. Now, I would be perfectly okay with Bane. <laughs> <laughs> In that instance, I'm, I'm just saying it would be cool. I not agree. To get, not to get Raja Ghoul, like, directly, but, like, Malcolm Merlin, or someone saying to Malcolm Merlin, do you want to you wanna upset the demon's head? Do you want to upset the demon? Well, and Wu, think about will... this, too. Think about this, too. Nanda Parbat is known for being, like, one of the biggest sources of magic in the DC Universe. 
think of what they could be opening themselves up to on this show. Yeah. Think of how yeah. they could even tie this show into Dark Universe if they yeah. wanted. Yeah. But I would because uh, I I'm still under the impression in this episode really just made me like believe it further. Malcolm Merlin is not the main guy here. No, no, no. no, no. But, but uh, what I've been saying for like this entire season so far, he is he is the intermediary between whoever is running this thing, and if it is the demon's head. Oh, if he's the only one that knows that, that would even be juicier. That oh, would even yeah. be so ju- juicy story-wise. I completely agree. That would yeah. be awesome. But, but moving, but moving on to the uh, let's do, let's do the flashbacks first because I think it's better that we do that rather than going into the the law stuff. But the flashbacks, I have to assume that Jeff Johns did not write these. Because they don't know, they feel like Andrew Kressberg and Mark Guggen. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying. I disagree. Yeah. I disagree. I think Slade feels how Jeff Johns writes Slade. But but the stories, no. The stories, The stories no. could have been, I think ultimately, Wu, this, all the flashback stories are mapped out by the big three. I think ultimately they're all, all the flashbacks are mapped out by them. But I, I definitely think it was written by Jeff Johns just based off the dialogue and some of the actions of the characters. Because I'm assuming what they did with the flashbacks is what they did with the Davis and Chloe stepped in Legion. If you go back to the commentary of that episode, Jeff John said he didn't he didn't write those scenes, they were written by somebody else. Because that really wasn't his story. That was just something that was going along in the season. Yeah. You see why you see why I say that though? Just to clarify? Yeah, yeah. Because really, that has nothing, because really, in this instance, not that I hated the flashbacks, I actually like them in this episode, especially Oliver fixing the radio thing. But uh, the, the way the, the way it fell in the story, it did not feel like Jeff Johns, it felt like Andrew Kessberg, Mark Guggenheim, and Greg Belanti. Mm-hmm. And that was not easy for me to say just now with those long last names. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I like the flashbacks a lot in this episode. I think it enhanced what we're going to see in the rest of this season in terms of the flashbacks. And I think the fact that they're getting all these weapons now, I don't think the island is necessarily going to be a prison anymore. I think it's going to start becoming a training ground. For Cobra? Well, that type of organization, yeah. That's what I thought when I saw the the monster or whatever was. Wow, this looks exactly like a copper weapon from GI Joe. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then, in the next episode after we come back from hiatus, we're gonna see a bunch of soldiers say, "Cobra, Cobra, Cobra, Cobra." Oh my gosh! <laughs> we, we are gonna move on from that. Cause. We, because really, I, that's what I thought when I saw that weapon. But I love to to uh, my thoughts on the flashbacks. Though I love how the relationship between Slade and Oliver is kind of growing into a friendship, especially when Slade comes in with the the big old like what I'm assuming is a you walk on his on his back. <laughs> it's, it's a, like it's a it's big like, Ewok. Looks like three Ewoks. 
That's <laughs> three he walks exactly. Oh my gosh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, what kind of animal looks like that? I haven't studied on my Asian animals in a while, but I was like, did he just kill a Ewox? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my. I, I have to say this, but I, one, two things actually. I love Oliver being of use because really he's been been nothing but a whiny little wimp through most of this, for the most part, and most of these flashbacks. Here he actually is getting a character on the island, and and secondly, I love Oliver doing the doing the pull-ups thing. That's kind of like a, a shout out to what he does in the cave with the pull-ups, but just not so well. I agree, and I love how Slade showed him up so easily. But I, I will say, though, I think Oliver did start, at least in the flashbacks, really developing a character with the Odyssey. I felt that yeah, episode did a lot in terms of his character on the island. Yeah, but here it's actually developing into something like, um, something of worth and something of use. Because, yeah, they can't call out to any kind of rescue, but at least they can listen into what Fires and Yafin and that group are, what they're doing. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I'm just saying, I think, in terms of where he started developing a character on the island, I think this is where it would have started. Yeah, totally. And... And I love the kind of cliffhanger we get with that, but not as big as a cliffhanger as we got with Laurel. And before you get your thoughts in, I have to say, I wish they would have gone with Julie Benz as Laurel's mother. Yeah. I I have to say, what is it with Jeff Johns and wanting to bring the first Black Canary into every, like, TV series he writes? Well, well, why do you and Jeff Jones like Aquaman? <laughs> uh, okay, I don't even know what that was about. Yeah, well, I mean, it's his things. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Aquaman, but I'll let him have his Aquaman. I don't have a problem with him doing that, but I, I, I just do not buy this actress, even though she does kind of look like Laurel and Sarah. Yeah, a little bit, doesn't she? Yeah, but I I would have loved it. I would have loved it better. I would have believed the actress more if it was Julie Benz, and not just because I'm a big Julie Benz fan. I just do not buy this actress as maybe it's the way that she was portrayed, and and not that it's bad writing, but I wouldn't be like in sadness after five years when I'm the one that left. I agree with that because I'm. Because it makes because it makes both Quentin and Quentin and his wife seem like dopey parents, and Laurel's the only smart one in this family. And that's not the intention that you should. At least the the way I I would write the characters, and maybe I'm biased. Okay, I totally am. But I wouldn't make you know two dopey parents and Laurel the only smart one. I I don't think that's uh the intention. I think, obviously, both the parents have issues, but I don't think they were insuccessful in raising their children, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and granted, it was only one scene. I just didn't buy it for just the sake of it. You know, what we find out, what we find out at the very end of this episode doesn't really help me very much. Do you want to get into that? Okay, I, I, it's, no. I do not, I do 
And before you say anything, I do not like the idea at all of Sarah still possibly being alive. And I have, no. and I feel this for one main reason. It defeats Oliver's entire redemption story and the purpose of the show. Well, not, not totally. Not totally. Not totally. But it's a, but but it it's does a big part of it. You're, you're right. It's but it does totally. defeat... It might not defeat his entire purpose on the show, let me rephrase, but it does defeat his redemption story. Because he would have he would have had nothing say else that, to redeem himself say that for. One more time, say that one more time. I'm saying it doesn't necessarily defeat his entire purpose in the series because he is avenging his father's, you know, actions and all that, but it does defeat his redemption story. I don't feel he needs to redeem himself for anything if he hadn't let her die. Or hadn't been there with her and she hadn't died. If she, if we find out she's alive, I don't, it it doesn't make any sense. And I think it hurts the story more than it helps. Because let's face it, there is no guilt from Oliver when his father dies. There is no guilt when he commits suicide, when Robert commits suicide. No, no the guilt is from Sarah's death. Yeah. And really... And maybe the the only and here's the thing, Sarah is the only reason why Laurel and Oliver are not married right now. Yeah, or at least still together. Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, and again, I'm being biased. My backstory is before the whole boat thing, Laurel was gonna ask Oliver to marry her. But remember, it's in Oliver's nature to still cheat on anyone he's with. Yeah. So, I, well, I don't think well, he would have necessarily I'm accepted saying, I'm not saying he would have accepted. I'm just saying, like, that's what Laura would have done. Or wanted to do, yeah. Yeah. And really, Sarah's the only reason why they're not together. I think everybody can agree on that. Yeah. And the moment you bring her back, and the moment you say, by the way, she's actually alive, you destroy Oliver's redemption story, you destroy the tension between Laurel and Oliver... And you bring more tension between everyone in the series. That's unneeded okay. and unwanted. Okay. Okay, I know this isn't spoilers, and this isn't really spoilers. It's just a crackpot theory. What if... Um, um, let's just call her Dinah, Laurel's mother, for the sake of argument. What if Dinah's wrong, and she finds out that Sarah is actually dead, and she got Laurel's hopes up for no reason? One, I would be fine with that, and two, based on her presentation of what she says to Laurel, does she not seem kind of crazy to you in terms of mentally insane? Yeah, I did get a sense of Rachel Dunleavy. Yeah. Not only not only from Smallville Season 2, um, Lineage, I think the episode was called. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was Lineage. Um, here, here's the thing: not only crazy, but damn desperate too. Yes, I think I think this whole thing could very possibly be her feeling guilty about running out on her family, and her just wanting to get back into her her being Laurel and Quentin's lives, just because of this. And I think that's taking advantage of their. Um, emotional state and her emotional state and I do not think it's right but I understand where she's coming from if she's if that's in fact the case and she's lonely yeah 
There's one more thing I'll say about LOL, and we have to talk about Diggs thing here because we forgot about that. There's one thing that I have to say about LOL, about her relationship with her mom and dad. She doesn't like her dad at all. She will not speak to Quentin at all. But look at the look on Cassidy's face. She hates her mother. Yeah. She despises her mother. The look of sadness, but also the look of disgust. Not only with the phone, but with the look of... Comparing the look that she had in the police station when she finds out Quinn kind of set her up with Green Arrow. To, to, well, to take down Green Arrow, I should say. And this look in the hallway with her mother. Two totally different things. With her father, anger. With their mother, complete disgust. Yeah. Complete disgust. Well, and with her father more, it was a reaction of feeling betrayed, something that eventually she'll be able to get over. But whatever happened between her mother, her father, and her after Sarah died, that was just too much for her to bear. And I'm, she- just, assume, I'm just assuming... This is what happened with when, when her mother left. Laura pretty much says to her, "Okay, you didn't had you didn't have any you, you didn't have anything to do with me when Sarah was alive. So now that she's dead, you you walk out on me." Yeah. Like, just imagine how Laura feels about that. If that's the way it went down, your mother your mother and father wanted nothing to do with you when Sarah was alive. So now, so when she's de- she's dead. My father hits the bottle and my mother just takes off and leaves. And quite honestly, that's how it sounds. Yeah. And and not to go to and not to go to relationship psychologists here, but that's probably why she has the relationship with men that she does. Kind of the distrusting of men and, and Tommy. That's probably how the relationship with Tommy do, really started. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But one last thing before we go, and and before I get to that though, would you rate the cliffhanger at year's end better than this one? Even though we like this episode a lot better. You know, and I know you don't feel there was a cliffhanger in year's end. I feel there was just based off of Oliver's beatdown and discovering certain things about the list and all that. I will say I was more pumped up for more episodes at the end of year's end than I was at the end of this episode. I don't think that was Jeff John's fault completely, but I do think the no, fact that he... it's not his fault. No, right. I, I, don't, I don't think so. But I do think the fact that he ended it with that scene, or didn't, or I guess made the scene as depressing as he did, I think that hurt the episode just a little bit. I mean, I'd still give the episode a 5 out of 5 easily, because I just oh, loved the episode. But I felt, oh, the, I, I felt the ending was it just uh, it didn't have that I, Jeff John's flair ending to it I gave end years end of a lot of a lot of flack at the flack at the time but but looking but looking between these two episodes and I really didn't think at years end had a big cliffhanger but comparing that one to this one at years end had much more of a cliffhanger and and this and Year's End obviously was a mid season finale. So that had to have a bigger cliffhanger and a bigger fight and a bigger, you know, propulsion of the story. This is only a three week cliffhanger. So yeah. I was perfectly fine with how it was. But if this were a mid season finale thing, 
I would be very disappointed. And here's one more thing that we, I have to talk about this episode too. In all fairness to Chip Jones, Booster being the exception, every one of every one of the Chip Jones episodes that we've seen and most of the viewers have seen have left us with that unsettling feeling at the end. To be fair to Chip Jones, yeah, Booster and Booster was very complete. Boost, Booster was a very complete episode, and it needed to be based on where it was in the series. But Absolute Justice, I mean, left it open-ended with the JSA. Legion left it open-ended with Brainiac 5, but at the same time, you still got your sense of closure with certain characters. But we also got the kind of unsettling feeling when we find out the truth about one of the characters with Checkmate and the reveal that Doomsday is still out there and he's still kicking. Yes, absolutely, and that obviously, I mean, comes later. That that was something Jeff Johnson had a part of, but... This, it seems like he has a little bit more influence on this series because it's such a, because it's a beginning series and he's already done two episodes. I feel that he has more of an influence in the series and more of a, a say in what direction it goes. Because even the Arrow special edition number one comic book that we've been giving out, even that is written by the big three and Jeff Johns. It's not just the big three who do the series. It's also Jeff Johns. So the fact that he's so involved in this series makes me think that he should almost give his episodes more of a complete ending. But if he doesn't, it's excusable because he'll be back. And again, probably he was, he was like, I think the network not outrightly asks he but I think, but I think when you know you're gonna be on an I, 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 it's almost, it's one of those cliches in TV that I don't like that you know you're going on a hiatus, so you have to give a big dun 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 thing at the end. And I understand from the standpoint of you want normal TV viewers to come back when it comes back, and I get that, but the loyal fans are going to regardless, so. Why not just spare the loyal fans? You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, but again, we still have to, we're acting like this series has been around for five years, Michael. I know. That's a scary thing. It's only been 16 episodes, but it feels like forever. Yeah, I know. And I, I, you and I have to remind ourselves of that, too. What loyal audience? We won't see a loyal audience until Comic-Con this year. Now, believe it or not, I, mean, I, th- I think the show has been getting a good enough audience and it has a pretty decent fan base already. But I, I, do, we, I do see but a we won't really, But we won't, really see, we won't really see that. We see that on Twitter, but, you know, it's a different thing on Twitter and on Google+. Plus, rather than people actually showing up to the Arrow Paley Festival or the... Or the um, comic-con panel this year in san diego yeah when when we see that big hall fill i mean i'm just i'm just trying i'm just trying to play devil's advocate but before we end it but before we end the episode and give our scores um i have to give john diggle a lot of credit the character the look on his face when he finds out that floyd laden is still alive it hurts that was a bigger cliffhanger than the last scene that really hurt yeah because the look of sadness and the look of rage in his eyes and the, the fact that he just stands there in the hallway. And I love that Oliver smart enough not, not to console him just to say, I'm sorry. 
He's not putting his hand on his shoulder or anything like that. He's just, like, says, I'm sorry, John. And he just lets him go away. And I like that he didn't, like, Diggle didn't, like, punch a wall and knock over a desk. Just, like, well, my brother's kill, my brother's murderer is still out there. Well, and the thing is, too, Woo, and this is almost more, like, terrible. He's probably in his head trying to figure out how to tell Carly. Because he told Carly Deadshot was dead. And now he has no, to break the news to her. No, he didn't. He didn't. He kind of insinuated it. He said, what would you think if you found out that Andy's killer was dead? Or something along those lines. But you know what I'm saying. He has, yeah, he has to let her know that he's out there and he's around now. Yeah. And, he, and, and he's probably trying in his head to figure out how he's going to protect her. From someone his brother, someone as strong as his brother, couldn't even protect himself from. And probably, like, like protect, you know, Carly from herself, because Carly might want to go after this guy, after Laudan herself knowing this. Well, and obviously protect his nephew, too. And uh, and also because I mean let's fa- I mean let's face it, like now that Carly and Diggle are kind of like a couple. Just for that reason alone, he doesn't want to lie to her. Exactly. And and the fact and the fact is, he's probably also because there's so much in that look. He's also thinking, what do I want to do? Just me myself. Do I want to go after this guy? Well, he probably does, and I we could possibly see that at close to the end of this season, or maybe the beginning of next. Even I wouldn't I wouldn't put that past the writers. Yeah. Because Floyd Lawton will be back. Oh yeah, he's got to be. Because uh, he didn't. Yeah. Di- he didn't die in the episode. It doesn't look like he died in the episode like it did in Lone Gunman. We know he's alive. And he's upgraded. Or he got, or he he's got upgraded. caught. Or he got caught. He, yeah, he didn't get caught. He's just been upgraded, and now he's out there, and now he's an assassin for hire once again. And who knows, Wu? We could very well possibly see a Suicide Squad. Okay, okay, here's, not to, go, not to go that far, I'm not saying I don't want to see that, but here's the thing that probably Diggle's thinking right now, okay, Oliver shot this guy in his eye, he's wounded, this is my only chance, do I really want to go after this guy? I think if that were the case, so it would happen next episode, and we know that's not going to be the case. I, I could see Diggle not being in the episode. No, this he has episode. to be in the episode. He was in the promo. Or maybe just in, like, one scene. That's true. Or we could see it Cause, in a digital comic. Because really, like, for someone... And that's something that I, as we as fans kind of forget. Just because, like, somebody's slated to be in the episode, they could just be in there for, like, a scene or two scenes. Yeah, that's true. I I I, I want to see the shot, and it may be in the season though. Diggle looks at looks at Floyd Lawton dead shot, and he sees on his body Andy Diggle. Oh, because we saw it when he was in his uh, apartment thing. Yeah, just to see the look uh, on John John Diggle's face when he sees the like the name Andy Diggle and it's crossed out. Well. And, and what I really want, Wu, is I want him to confront Deadshot and be right in front of him, and Deadshot be, who are you? And John goes, I'm John Diggle. You killed my brother. 
and Deadshot just looking like almost in horror, but in the sense of he's still remaining remaining calm or at least trying to. And then, I don't want to. I don't want it to be in horror though. I want it to be Deadshot of like just slightly smiling. Well, I I I shouldn't have said like that. I take that back. I meant more like in shock. Yeah, shock, and then and then be like, "Hey, big brother!" Shock with that little smirk, bro- yeah. Yeah, hey, big brother. Little brother said hi, by the way. Well, and and when they fight, if they fight, I would love it. And this, I, it would hurt me while watching it, but I would love it if Deadshot starts taunting Diggle about how his brother died while they're fighting. Cause here, here's the thing: we haven't seen John Diggle lose it. And that would, that would make him lose it. Yeah. Because really, we saw how defensive he was at the Big Belly Burger. Like, the second scene after he finds out that Oliver's Green Arrow, and when Oliver just brings up Andy, Andy Diggle. Yeah. You see how defensive he gets, just Oliver even mentioning Andy's name. Yeah. Let alone, like, tracking down his murder. That, that, for me, is something I can't wait to see. Just because I cannot wait to see, because, and I know we're kind of ranting about this, guys, and I'm sorry, but the actor who plays John Diggle, he's not a small guy. No, he's a big guy. He's not a, he's not a small guy. He makes Stephen Amell look like a child. A guy that size going berserk? Oh, man. With weapons, potentially? Yeah, I don't even think he would. I don't even think he would want to use a weapon. I think he would want to kill him with his bare hands. He'd probably walk in with a gun just so Deadshot knows he means business, and then throw it on the ground and start beating him with his fist. Maybe, maybe to like shoot him in the leg to disarm him, or what about shooting him in the eye, his eyepiece? Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Okay, we're geeking out. Too anyway, much, but... guys, it's been over two hours, so we're gonna we're gonna cut this short. But Wu, do you have any yeah. wrapping up thoughts uh, of this episode best before epi- we get into best episode, Twitter? Best episode of the season so far. Um, five out of five. Absolutely everything I was expecting to to see. Kind of kind of sucks that we didn't get even a little bit of Thea, but you know what? She wasn't she wasn't needed so. I'm sorry for all the Thea fans, but if you're not needed, don't write her in. Again, other than like the the cliffhanger thing, I thought quality throughout the episode, everybody was used really well. Shots were fantastic. Um, other than the finale of the season, I don't think anything's going to beat this one, other than maybe the Barn Q Miller one in a couple episodes. And quite honestly, I don't even know if that one will beat it. And no disrespect to BQM. No, 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 not saying. at all. I'm just saying. But um, I I agree. Five out of five. Uh, now, woo, is it is it wrong for me to say that Legacies is still my favorite episode, but this is the best episode so far? Oh, God forbid you have a different opinion than what everybody else on the internet says. No, no, you you can't have a different opinion. Oh, but do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And you know what? If anybody makes fun of you for that, you know, forget it. Because quite honestly, I can see your problems with it. But again, the dialogue itself was what, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Had a lot more gravitas to it than this one. This one didn't need it other than the Tommy and, Tommy and uh, Merlin stuff. But you know what? 
things things can be great for different reasons. Well, sure. I mean, I had no issues with this episode. Even the Dino stuff at the end, it didn't deter me from liking this episode a lot. My the thing is, I just legacies to me really stuck out, and it really felt like a classic Green Arrow story to me, and a good redemption story all in one episode. So to me, that's so far my favorite episode. But Dead to Rights is mo- easily the best episode of the season. Yeah, I know that's a little like, contradictory, you, you, but that's you, that that's how it is. You just like Legacies more, but you think Dead to Rights is the best episode of the season thus far. I, I think Dead to Rights is better, but Legacies just has that you know special sort of place sort of thing. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use I'm just gonna use this use this example. In, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, great movie. Iron Man, great movie. Can you really compare the two? No, you cannot. No, I mean, they're different stories. They may be of the same show, but they're different stories. Even different characters are used. And they're different writers, obviously. So you like it for different reasons. It just is what it is. I I know you use this example, too. Strawberry ice cream, birthday cake, chocolate birthday cake. Great but great in different reasons. And Andy's still waiting on that ice cream. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think we can both agree on that five out of five. Absolutely. Great yeah. job to Jeff Johns. Great job to Glenn Winter. Great job to uh, the stunt coordinators, the music people, the uh, actors. The performers, yeah. the stunt people, everybody. Absolutely. Can't say, just... anything. Can't say enough how we liked, we liked this episode. And even and... the scenes that weren't very strong, like the last scene, it didn't... It, it didn't compare to the rest of it. It to didn't, run, it didn't to hurt run up, To run up Michael's thoughts, and to make this a little bit more clear, because we have been rambling a lot, I think what he's saying is, as a, a beginning-to-end episode, Legacies was better, but to, but to sum up everything that has happened in the series thus far, did the rights takes that one. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. No, no, no. That, 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 that's, that's basically what I'm trying to say. Basically, yeah. 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 Twitter. Twitter time. Twitter time. Yes. But, um, no, no, no. Before we go to that, uh, I'll briefly play Andy's thoughts because he did get to send his in. I said his could be a little longer this episode just because of how good it was, and I knew that we were going to talk long about it, so I felt that not letting him talk more than two minutes about it was kind of a crime. So we're going to let him go real quick, and then we're going to get into Twitter's thoughts. Take it away, Andy. Hi guys, it's Anna speaking here with my thoughts about this week's this week's episode of Arrow. One of the most hyped and built up episodes ever, both in press and you know, season wise as well. Dead to Rise what well, is officially one of my favorite episodes of the se- season. Uh, it's one of my top 5 definitely. It's pretty high because when you have Jeff Johns, you had Glenn Winter, you had John Berryman, you had Deadshot, you had China White, you had Slade, you had so much going on, and you can't get wrong with that at all. And the thing that I loved so much was the Merlin focus. You know, I've been waiting for a long time to get a more focused episode on the relationship between Tommy and Malcolm Merlin. Um, you know, John Berryman and Colin Darn are so great, are magnificent. Magnificent actors, both of them, you know, and they haven't really been given much to do, you know, especially Tommy because he's a, you know, considering that he's a serious regular and so on, he hasn't been given much to do for the past three, four episodes. So I'm so glad that he finally got to flesh out his character and give us more about 
his back about his 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 backstory, his family's backstory, and his relationship between Malcolm and him, as well as you know refer, referring to his relationship with with Oliver, and you know Malcolm really got to show us that he isn't just he isn't that that of a bad guy. He's he's a complicated character because I think whatever happened to him at that that city Nanda Parbat, if I sorry if I pronounce it wrong. Um, I whoever he met, I think that you know we know that he, that was the thing that changed it, him the most, and I'm sure Wu has already said this, but you know if it if it is Razagul, I would be up for it, you know, and um, and it would make sense as well because I think somebody is this is the superior over Malcolm. I don't think he is the big big bad here, so and um. The reveal that that all, that Oliver did to Tommy was, you know, me and my, Michael, we talked about this last week on the Dodger episode in the spoiler section that it's probably going to be Tommy because the trailer gave it away a little bit. We had heard that somebody, from the press, we had heard that somebody was going to find out his secret. And so it made sense. It was not a big surprise, but I love how they did that. And... It was heartbreaking in the end that you know when Oliver said to basically to Tommy that no Tommy I was never gonna tell you about my secret and you know that is we know where this where Tommy is is gonna end up in the future you know not too not soon but um, but not too not too far away in the future so I I'm seriously wondering what's gonna happen with him you know how he's gonna deal with this relationship. How they are going to deal with their relationship now that he knows that Oliver is the vigilante, and it was a great Merlin episode. Definitely, you know, we had so many other things as well. We, you know, the return of Deadshot. I'm so glad that he is alive. We knew that he was alive, but you know, it was nice to see him back. He was more badass than before, and Dig. I think Diggle and him are gonna have a big fight and so on because. Deadshot did kill his brother after all, so Deadshot, you better watch out. <laughs> and uh, Shina White was much, w w much better used in this episode than before. You know, we got to see more of that kind of of that Shina White that, that we that we are familiar with from you know the Year One book and so on. Because she's not, you know, here she wasn't just the you know the badass fighter and so on. you know she we got to see more of the the Shina White that we know and so. On. And I think we're gonna see more of that in the future episode and so on. So I'm glad that they used her well and. Mora, you know, it's you can't hate her, but at the same time you can't love her completely and so on. But I was glad when she realized there's a scene during uh, Malcolm's speech when she looks at Tommy and realizes that oh my God, I'm about to take away somebody, somebody from Tommy, the last family member that he has. So, but Mora, you better be careful now because if Malcolm finds out that it was you, then you're screwed. Um, the island thing was interesting. Um, um, it was more fun in the beginning than it was, you know, em you know, emotionally and or exciting because Slade and Oliver, you know, I could watch them e every day because they're hilarious when they're together. And but I'm I was intrigued by what happened at the end, you know. And um, what else? Glenn Winter and Jeff Johns best team up. Like in like on Smallville, they need to do this more again next year. Je Glenn Winter, you know, you can read in my review 
what I had to say about Glenn's directing, but it, it was phenomenal. And Jeff Johns, you can read there as well. And so on. I can't wait for for these final seven episodes now. And um, I hope you guys are looking forward to it as well. So take care, and I will see you soon. Bye-bye. All right, and we're back with Twitter thoughts, guys. Uh, we're going to run through these pretty quickly because we want to get to the digital uh, comic book so we can get to the closing, so we can do spoilers, and we can go to bed. Um, first of all, we have Lauren from TV Ever After saying, much better than last week's. I gasped when the, se- gasped, bleh, when the secret came out. I agree. Stop drinking, Michael. Stop drinking alcohol on the podcast, please. You know, I, I just... I, reading things out loud just doesn't work for me. I read everything in my head. Um, just like Oliver does. Just like Oliver does. My name <laughs> is Michael J. Petty. For five years, I was on an island where all I did was talk to myself in my head. I never spoke a word. Now that I'm back, I don't know how to speak again. And grew a great beard. Just grew a great beard. Corinne said, I was worried about Tommy! Exclamation point. And I haven't been... I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Woo, this is terrible. I haven't seen all of it yet, but so far it's awesome. It's as good as Steven said it would be, which I agree with because Steven Amal was very pumped about this episode. And last but not least, Jay-Z Cost. I know we didn't get as many this week. All the actors, especially Steven Amal, were ca- calling this episode holy shitballs, and rightly so. The action at the end and the reveal was really good. I thought Tommy wouldn't find out until much later in the series, but I guess the writers had other plans. I can't wait to see how this plays out. It stinks that and we have call, to... And you called that one, too. You and Andy called that one last week in the spoilers. Yep. Or wherever you called it, but yeah, I had, I have to mention that because you guys called it and uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. Yeah. But, um, uh, he goes on to say, it stinks that we have to wait a month until a new episode, but as always, I can't wait for it. And hashtag, you have failed this podcast. So, Michael well, clearly, um, yeah, so that, that was Twitter's thoughts on the episode. I mean, the general consensus was they liked it. <clears throat> Not as many sent us their thoughts this week, but who knows? Maybe hopefully when the Huntress returns, pun intended, we will get more. Um, so your, the, yeah. favorite, your favorite title for this, your favorite title for this season so far. I'm starting to warm up to it, believe it or not. But, um, oh, really? we're, yeah, I am actually. But we're going to move on now to the comic book review. And before we get into the digital chapter of this week, I have to briefly mention Arrow, the print issue four came out in the past week, which was written by Mark Guggenheim and Andrew Kressberg with art by Eric Nygun, Mike Grell, and many others. And it includes chapters 10, 11, and 12, Caged. Huntress Year One and Limbo. And the cover is really cool. It's done by Mike Grell and has Arrow and Huntress on it, which is very poetic seeing as how uh, towards the end of the month we will be getting Huntress returning to the show. So very cool. Uh, and, it you know, it's a good collection of those three chapters. So I encourage all of you who haven't been reading the chapters digitally to go buy that book because it's pretty good, although there are three separate stories. It's not one continuous one, unfortunately, but it is how it is. Anyway, we're going to move on to this week's Arrow Digital Chapter, Chapter 21, entitled Detour. And in this digital chapter, a woman trying to get away from her crazy ex-boyfriend kidnaps Oliver and Diggle in order to get away. And after a long and hard car chase, she gets captured by her ex, who leaves Ollie and Dig on the side of the road. But Oliver and Dig meet them later 
in a junkyard with all the other people whose cars have been stolen by this girl's ex and his gang, who proceed to then beat him up. The girl then leaves safe and sound, and Diglin and Oliver wait a few minutes to watch the guy get beat up before calling the police, which I thought was actually kind of funny. So, Wu, what was your general thought process on this digital chapter? This whole thing was just funny, how, how Oliver was just so whatever about the situation. He wasn't even really worried worried about his stuff getting stolen or anything like that. Well, the quivy back and forth between... Um, Oliver and Diggle, you know, I'm not your sidekick, but that doesn't mean you're not my driver. Yes. I love that I loved, I loved when um, he free, Oliver frees the girl from the trunk, and Oliver's, um, um, this girl, Nina is her name in the story, I think. Nina says, shouldn't we help your friend? And they just cut to Diggle, just kicking button. Like, he goes, oh no, he's fine, just leave him, he's fine. He's just letting off some steam, he doesn't get to do yeah. much in the office. <laughs> Yeah, he's fine. Just leave him there. Yeah, you know, and based off of that, I kind of wish Diggle would get some more action on the show. And I mean, obviously, we talked about his thing with Deadshot that we think we'll probably see. But he's I mean, getting a lot of action with Carly. Well, oh, wait, did I just say that out loud? Yes, you did. But <laughs> I, I really wish he'd fight more. You know, and we got to see it a little bit when he dressed up as Oliver, but. We, we haven't seen it too much, and it's kind of sad because he has so much potential, especially with being in Afghanistan and all. He could really do a lot of damage. Yeah, that will happen with Floyd Lattins, don't worry. Yeah, like you we talked about, it. obviously, but yeah. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, but I think just for dialogue and just for dialogue alone, this was the best episode, the, the best digital chapter just for dialogue. A little bit creepy back and forth, between, especially with Oliver and Diggle. Yes. And by the way, since we will not be having a new episode of Longbow Hunters next week because new episode of, of Arrow don't return until March 20th, don't forget next week, uh, Wednesday, the, what is it, the 13th? Yeah, the no, the 6th, sorry, the 6th, pick up Green Arrow issue 18, continuing Jeff Lemire's uh, new The Kill Machine arc. In the Green Arrow book, which is basically a reboot of the New 52 Green Arrow within its own continuity. So it's it's a great book. It's heavily influenced by Mike Grell's Green Arrow run, as well as the Arrow TV series. All you Arrow fans would like it just as much as you do these digital chapters. And it's a very good gateway into DC Comics by reading Green Arrow. So check that out. Green Arrow issue 18 comes out this coming week. So, I mean, woo, does that pretty much sum up everything for this episode? I guess, I guess. I can't be- I can't believe we're like three weeks we're gonna be gone three weeks. What are we gonna do? Visit Aqu- visit Aquaman? <laughs> yes. I wish. No, we we'll do that retro reviews episode most likely. Yes, and do we wanna plug that right now? Do we, we wanna plug that why don't you plug that? Okay. We're I'm ripping off the Nostalgia Critic, and for those of you who don't know, the Nostalgia Critic... Um, that guy annoys me for... so much. You don't like him at all? You know, some of his stuff is pretty good, but I think he's way too critical and judgmental on certain things. Well, that's what people want him to do, though. Yeah, it just doesn't they work enjoy, for me completely. They enjoy that, and he gives them what they want. You can't really judge him for that, so... No, he I wants can't. to... 
wants to like bash. He doesn't want to bash things, but people enjoy him doing that. Well, that doesn't really stay true to himself, then, does it? Well, he does reviews just as himself, Doug, not the nostalgia critic. Oh, okay. That's that's better yeah. then. I'm I'm okay uh, with that. Yeah. But go on, go yeah. on with your plug. Uh, um, um, well, I'm ripping off the nostalgia critic. We're not doing the top five episodes of Supernatural of all time. We're doing the top six episodes of Supernatural of all time, like he does his top eleven reviews, just because he's that good. And we're doing top six because we're that good of Supernatural. There, there, there is no boundaries of what of of episodes we can cover. We can cover. Okay, they will season. all be finales. No, I'm kidding. Um. I will, I will say this, though, and I'll, I'll pass the podcast along when we record it. We're probably not going to talk much about Season 8, just because we don't want to spoil it. Because Andy has not, Andy has not um, seen Season 8, but again, Andy I don't think Andy... past Season 2. Yeah, well, I was going to say, Andy, you probably shouldn't listen to this, buddy, because we're... we're Michael and I are mainly going to cover the Kripke years in our top six. Yeah, I think ultimately we should just go seasons one through five. We shouldn't even worry about six through eight. Let's well, just no, do no, that. No, 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 no. One through, one through seven. One through seven is basically Fine, then, be then I get to pick one from the anime series. Okay, okay, well, whatever. You can, you can do whatever you want. I'm just saying we're not going to do season eight because mainly I think we're going to do two shows. One right now, and then one when ultimately Supernatural ends, which, quite frankly, neither of us can see right now. Right. And, cause, because, and we're not going to do, like, these, one of the reasons why we didn't, like, you know, ask Dan to come on is, I think Michael and I learned our lesson when we did our retro reviews for our top, like, ten um, Smallville or top five Smallville? Yeah, we did five like, Smallville, which turned out to be twenty because each of us had a different top five. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's I think it's much more. If Dan wants to bring in his list, we can like send it in his list in like through audio and Nico too. We can do that and fit that in the episode. But for recording purposes, I think it's just going to be Michael and I. Yeah, and quite <laughs> frankly. When we, when you and I podcast, Wu, because of what we talk about, and because of how in depth we go, sometimes it's almost better that in general we just do you and I, which is why we don't guest every week, guys. Yeah, yeah. And here's one more thing about Supernatural before we get into the spoilers. Um, it's gonna, it's a lot harder to narrow down Supernatural than it was for Smallville, mainly because Supernatural it blends in, it bleeds in. No pun intended to the previous season, where we give Smallville, and we'll mention this again, we give Smallville for, like, tucking the previous season under the rug and just the season opener of the next season, but God, does that make, does that make memorizing the season so much easier? What, Smallville? How they do it? Yeah, how they do it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I was thinking about that the other day. God, that made it so much easier to remember which season was which. Well, I was watching a bunch of super, or super, wow, Smallville episodes today. And, I, you know, I watched one from season three, and I watched one from season ten, and the other day I watched one from season six, and I was like, I can really tell which season this is just based off of what is going on in this one episode of each. 
And we will tell and we will tell you why we came with Supernatural at the top of the Retro Reviews episode when we get there. Cause I think Penny and I will agree on what that reason is. But anyway, if you're not sticking around for spoilers, thank you everybody on Twitter. What is, what is your Twitter, sir? My Twitter is at MJPetty7. That is at MJPetty7. Uh, Woo, yours? Mine is at WSK9002, at WSK9002. And if you want to follow either Michael and I, please mention that in your request, or please tweet us. You want us to follow you back to prove that you're actually a real person. What is the Across the Airwaves Twitter, sir? Yes, the Across the Airwaves Twitter is just at Across Airwaves. There's no the, just at Across Airwaves. Again, Across the Airwaves Productions is the overall um, site that Longbow Hunters is based off of and Retro Reviews is based off of and DC Nation. And obviously the Across Airwaves podcast itself is based off of. We are all under one roof. So you can follow us ultimately all together at Across Airwaves. You could also just follow Longbow Hunters on Twitter at Arrow Podcast. And by following at Arrow Podcast, you can tweet us your thoughts on each week's episode of Arrow that we will read on air like we did this week. Or you could use it just to talk with us about general Arrow discussion. Or if you work on Arrow or have anything to do with the show, get in contact with us and get on our show. We'd love to have you. And, and and also follow Green Arrow TV, our buddy, our, our gracious, gracious benefactor, Mr. Craig Byrne, his news site for Green Arrow. If you want any new, new, new news about Green Arrow or Arrow in general, Green Arrow TV, at Green Arrow TV, I think that's the Twitter handle. Yes. We'll have it. And what is our email, sir? Yes, you can email us like Jeremy Schwartz did today. At across the airwaves at gmail.com. That is across the airwaves at gmail.com. Please specify that you're emailing to Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast, or Michael and Wu. And also, you can follow Across the Airwaves on Facebook and Google Plus to get all the uh, news and information on various shows, movies, and comic books, and even video games and um, technology that Wu and Nico find every week. Yes, I'm doing less and less of that because I realize that, that not everyone that listens to us are techies, but if it has something to do with comic books or Star Wars or any geeky things like Doctor Who, I'll post them. Also, I need to plug once again, if you are an Android, an Android user or a Windows Phone user, or, or I think it, that's just it, Windows 8 Phone Windows Phone 8 user or Android user, please subscribe to the MP3 portion of the Across the Airwaves, not the AAC. If, if you are a iOS user, that's Apple iOS, or a, still a BlackBerry user, I know there's still a few of you out there, there's still a BlackBerry community, you can either subscribe to the AAC or the MP3, but for right now, if you have a Windows Phone, a Windows-enabled device, or an Android device, either a tablet or a phone, please use the MP3 feed, please. Yes, and ultimately, you can subscribe to those th- feeds through our website, acrosstheairwaves.com. Or you could also go to iTunes and type in Across the Airwaves to get all episodes of Longbow Hunters the Arrow podcast, Retro Reviews, DC Nation podcast, and Across the Airwaves, all under the Across the Airwaves iTunes um, podcast feed. It's all under there. You subscribe to one, you subscribe to them all, 
it's it's a lot of fun, and I give every every one of the shows a good listen. Oh, and for our listeners that use a podcatcher that we don't support right now, please specify what podcatcher you use and that we don't currently support, and we'll try to get on there so you can listen to us on your favorite podcatcher if you're only listening to us through our website. If we're not on a podcatcher that you listen to, please let us know, and we'll get to that as soon as we can. If we can. If we can, too. Because um, we, we are very busy. Dan, Dan, Nico, and I who pretty much like run the website and the social media pages and this, that, and the other. Not that Michael, not that Michael and Andy don't, but we primarily cover most of that. So I, anyway, I actually do a lot for the website, believe it or not. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I sit corrected. Yeah, Michael, Michael does a lot for the website. Andy does a lot for the website. But... Um, Dan, Nico, and I usually just cover the social network pages. So yeah. between the five of us, we have a lot to do. And Andy works on other websites as well, and so does Michael. And so I and I am the admin for the At Arrow Podcast Twitter feed too, guys. So if you do want to contact me specifically by not using my Twitter, you can do me there as well. And all, all, all that saying, we will get to your messages if you have any technical problems. We, we, we're just telling you straight up, we might not get to you as quickly as you would like. That's what we're saying. Yep. Um, but you yeah. can also call and leave us a voicemail that we will play on air during our podcast, like we did with Andy in this episode. And that number is 1773-809-3363. That is 1773-809-3363. Um, and last but not least, special thanks to Christopher Weitrick for designing our great Longbow Hunters, the Arrow Podcast logo based off the Green Arrow TV shirt like the one Sheldon Cooper wears in the Big Bang Theory. So thank you so much for that, Christopher. Again, three hours it only took him to design the logo. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, coming up next, we're going to have a very short spoiler section because there's really not much there. And really, a lot of it is what we just covered in, as far as questions for the the back half of the season which isn't really that many episodes believe it or not believe it or not so on that note for our cross series hosts and other core members dan schmidt nico rystek and andy babak i'm your host michael j petty and i am Wes kim and until the next here eating my ice cream rocking back and forth oh, bye, bye, bye. And until March 20th, the week of March 20th, where the Huntress returns, or unless we don't see you in the spoiler section after the music, we will catch you on the airwaves and see you next week, guys. Thank you for bearing with us through this Jeff Johns lovely written episode, and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye, guys. past his defense without granting
ex-girlfriend. Why can't you just admit that you still have feelings for me? Get out of my city. I can't kill her. It's not going to work out between you two. The CW official description for episode 117, The Huntress Returns, reads, EDM megastar Steve Okai opens Oliver's new nightclub. With his nightclub set to open and a new romance brewing with McKenna, Oliver is happy as he is, or as he's been since returning to Starling City. But when Oliver's ex, the Huntress, suddenly returns to town, she threatens to destroy everything and everyone he cares about. Meanwhile, Laurel and her father struggle with the return of Dinah Lance, guest star Alex Kingston, who claims she has proof Sarah is still alive. Thea gets Roy Harper, guest star Colin Haynes, or Colton Haynes, a job at Oliver's club, but he's not too inclined to stop his life of crime. Oliver and Tommy are thrilled that they are able to get Steve Okai to play at the opening of the new, their new nightclub, Verdant. Uh, Jessica DeGau returns as Helena Bertinelli, a.k.a. The Huntress. Alex Kingston returns as Dinah Drake Lance. And Steve Okai comes to the show as himself. And apparently he is some sort of big singer, which is whatever. And the episode yeah, is... I've, I, I've never heard of him before. I haven't either. I haven't either. The episode is written by Jake Coburn and Lana Cho and directed by Guy Norman B. once again. Love that guy. Yeah. Good guy, Guy. I have to say what Oliver says. Why is Lana back when she's the one that left on her own? That's a good question. Yeah, I had to really, because really, the way she left, well, first of all, logistically, let's just, just say this for logistical sense, way too soon to have her back. Uh-huh. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, I, I, well, I didn't disagree with you. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying for our audience. Yeah, like, way too soon to have her back. Way too soon. But I will admit, I will admit, I'm starting to warm up to the title. But just as I was starting to warm up to the title, I realized something. This is either going to be a, this is either going to be as good as Batman Returns or as terrible as Superman Returns. Oh, here's here's what I'm thinking, sir. Here's what I'm thinking. Um, and this is a total compliment to the character of Helena and to Jessica DeCal. What is her role in DC Comics been personality wise? To disturb crap when it's all been settled. Not this bad. Not this bad, but you know what? It's in her character. But she's never been the type of the jealous lover type. And this is exactly what they're portraying her to be. And, and this actually brings up another good point that you brought up just now. She's the one that broke up with him. She's the one who led... Why in the hell is she saying, just admit that you still love me? Exactly. What right does she think she has? Huntress is supposed to be annoying, but this this is a new level of annoying for Huntress. Yeah. Like, and even Huntress in the comics in general has always had, like, a sort of sort of code. Like, if you've read her Huntress series, if you read the current World's Finest series with her and Power Girl, 
even if you read Birds of Prey, she has a certain code, and she isn't normally this, excuse my language, bitchy. But she's really bad here. Like, she was, she's worse here than she was in her first two appearances. Yeah. And, and maybe that's due to the fact of um, her time away from the series. So we don't know where, actually where she went. Gotham City. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bloodhaven. Um, yeah. <laughs> Chicago. Sh- Shadowcrest, yes. Shadowcrest. To see to see your home, to see your home girl Satana, and to raise home in that city. Oh no! <laughs> I have to accept okay. her time away has made her worse, and ultimately, Oliver has. Because let's face it, unless she's gotten some really, really good training, we know for a fact that she's not as good a fighter as Oliver is. So Oliver is going to take her to school. True, but do you remember in the Hunter's Year One? Uh, digital issue and which is which plug has recently been collected in Arrow issue four of the print title just released by DC Comics. How plug 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 plug, plug how she was trained by all those like different monks and all those people. I don't personally because of her rage and because of her emotions at the time. I don't feel we got a full accurate representation of her skill set. Yeah, because of her father true. and all that. And because of her relationship with Oliver, obviously. And and we don't we don't know how much Oliver actually trained her too. We get a couple montages, yeah, but we don't know actually how much, the like she she got trained by Oliver and how much she knows because of Oliver now. And I would assume that those two episodes that she was in, Vendetta and Shoot, do you remember the other title? Starts with an I, I. I cannot, I cannot remember those things, to Any, be honest with you. Anyway, those, I cannot, those two episodes, we do, I would assume that, that takes place in That's the title. A, that's the title right there, those two episodes. They really should have made that an event like they did with Society of Legends for Absolute Justice, just so that it would no, work. No, 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 no. just so that I'd remember. No, but um, we don't know how long those two episodes took place. That could have been yeah. a week, that could have been two weeks for all we know. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. And here's the thing, too. Here's a thought that just came into my mind. Um, do you think that Helena coming back, not that her and Oliver will get back together, because, God, I hope not. But I do don't you think, think this so. Will, do you think this will cause the breakup, though, between McKenna and Oliver? I think it could start their downfall. Yeah. At the very I, least. I, I have to think that, and on, on, on a lighter note, I really do think that this episode, because this will be the first time Roy Harper meets Oliver Queen, this episode will further the relationship between Roy and Thea. Which I'm perfectly okay with. Because I'm happy to see it. him back. I'm happy to see him back. Because let's face it, like, they both, the way they look at each other, they're both attracted to each other. Right. Even though they don't want, even though they don't want to be more more than the but no. Again, he he needs to keep coming in as the small role, as the small recurring character that people, at least the average TV watcher, aren't going to pay as much attention to, and then he's going to keep creeping up until he becomes the main cast. And I'm perfectly fine with that as long as that's how they go, and that's how it seems they're going. So I'm happy with it. But, but 
because the audience really doesn't know who Royal Harper is. Even in like the press releases we've got of Royal Harper, they don't release like who this person's gonna be or you know who he's gonna be in the future. So that could work that way. But going to the finale. Now that we've got a little bit of a break, because you and Andy talk about this, and I don't know why my my software couldn't pick this up, because I was literally like almost yelling at, yelling it in my microphone like last week, and Andy stole my thunder. Thanks, Andy. I apologize um, for that. I still don't know exactly what happened there. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I really wonder what happened there. Maybe Andy muted me. And I'll get you back for that, Andy. Um, no. <laughs> Ser- seriously. Um, I have to think with the, with the, the episode structure that we only have 21 episodes total. We only have 21. That episode 21 will be two hours. I thought they got an extra episode. I thought we were let getting like lo- 23. Let me, look, let me look at the run sheet. Let me look at the run sheet. Because I remember at the beginning of the series that CW announced that they were adding an episode to the series of both Arrow and Supernatural. They were both getting an extra episode this season. Um, hold on one second. Hold on. And I believe they both have the same amount of episodes this season. I can't believe we're already on episode 16. That's crazy. It feels like we're on like 316. Oh, no, you're right. We have 23 episodes, according to the Wikipedia. Yeah, that's what which I could thought. Be, which could be wrong, but after what you're saying, you, you could be right. And I could be wrong. Which is fine either way, because I just read it from Craig, so I'm assuming it's right. Yeah, 23 episodes, wow. That's that's Again. almost unheard of now, a day is for a new show and its first season. Well, here's the thing. It's because it's a hit. That's why. That's why small. The reason we're getting it's because it's a hit. Like Swallow was in its first season. Speaking. Speaking of that, Brian Q. Miller. Have we heard anything from him? Uh, haven't haven't gone after it yet. I will let you know when I do. Okay. I haven't not, yet because not, it's early, but I probably will in the next week or so. So don't yeah, don't worry. Not, about it. not not teasing the audience, guys. I'm just saying, I I want I haven't asked him. I haven't asked my partner recently what the situation is on that. I just wanted to make clear, like I'm not teasing the audience. Hopefully, we will get him because I really want to talk to him because I haven't had the chance to talk to him and I really want to. But um, which means you're gonna have to use Skype. But on that <laughs> on that note, though, guys, um. We've been doing this for about 11 minutes now for the spoilers, so we're going to wrap these up. Thank you, Craig Byrne of Green Arrow TV, for these awesome spoilers, for the trailer, and for everything. Please visit GreenArrowTV.com to get all your news and information on Arrow and even on Green Arrow in popular TV media. So yes. so I guess that's about it, Woo. I mean, we'll see you guys on our next episode of Retro Reviews if you're Supernatural fans, but if you're not and you're sticking with us just for Arrow... We'll see you again the week of March 20th when we do The Huntress Returns, hopefully guested with Elisa Lee. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see you in three weeks. All right. Thanks, guys. And talk to you all later.